When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. looking at a remarkable idea, an idea that has intrigued and attracted and literally thrilled thousands upon thousands of men, women, and children. And you, my friends, are about to witness this idea become a reality, for this is the story of the miracle sea in the desert. Michael Deacon, Michael Deacon, Michael Deacon, Michael Deacon, Michael Deacon, Michael Deacon. From the wastelands of California, my name, in fact, is Michael, and I am a mere figment of your imagination. I look forward to once again serve you those sounds of salvation. First-time listeners turn on, tune in, and drop out. This is a very different kind of show, a place where we don't feel so alone. Let us chase away the light no matter what you at home choose to believe. I do admire you for your curiosity. In a moment, I'll be joined by two familiar faces, but first up is Marshall Masters. He is a former CNN Science Features news producer, freelance writer, television analyst, and the publisher of Yao USA. He has been researching earth changes and Nibiru flyby-related topics, including sustainable survival communities, catastrophic crop circles, impact events, and, of course, future technologies. And, of course, after the break, I'll be joined by Mr. Mike Rogers for another update. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for allowing me into your hearts and into your minds. Here we are again on a night like this. And don't forget, you too can get involved. Your phone calls are always welcome, folks. That number is 760-332-8724. Don't be shy. 760-332-8724. Now let's get down to brass tacks and bring in Mr. Marshall Masters, wherever he may be. And Marshall, are you alive out there? Absolutely. We're in dark California. Oh, yes. And of course, you are feeling the wrath of what's going on out there in Northern California and some places here in Southern California. Marshall, explain. Well, for those of you outside the country, I can tell you that if you're in Sacramento, 
or San Francisco, you're amongst the people who caused the problem, and guess what? You don't have to suffer the consequences. It's for everybody else that's out, you know, up, uh, out in the rural areas. And wow, this one's two million. Uh, they're saying it could be up to four days. This is our third voluntary cutoff in a 30-day period of time. And the first time it happened was pretty new, and people just didn't know what to make of it. You know, it's always been we're a first world nation. And so the power is always on unless there's a darn good reason and it'll come back up as soon as possible. The voluntary cutoffs, you know, and they were saying it's we don't want anybody is going to be hurt. Well, you know, there's a big fire and they've done a cutoff and people are dying in that fire. They're not dying because of the electrical lines. And this is what happens. It's California and uh, PG&E. We understand out here, PG&E is torturing for the people out in the countryside. The only folks that you're going to see that are saying this is a good idea are in towns that have power. Out in the countryside, the general prevailing view is this is uh, politics. By the way, Marshall, by the way, Marshall, it's 2.5 million customers who will have no power. Yes, sir. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And uh, and this is going to be the worst of the three so far. And so we're really, you know, I had a hunker in and, uh, you know, I've got a big old marine battery to keep everything going. But it's still very disruptive for everybody else. And it's quite predictable. After PG&E got hit with a $11 billion settlement uh, or judgment from the courts and put them into bankruptcy, so we all understand what's going on out in the rural areas where we are being affected. People tend to see this as PG&E is trying to say to the government, uh, if you're going to sue us into the ground, you're not going to have power. And so it's a political message. Nobody's really buying the safety issue right now. It's not. This is more a case of the state has really been remiss in doing forest management. I mean, the reason why we have these terrible fires is there's so much fuel on the ground. And it's because there is so much political ops, uh, obstruction in the state to doing anything else. The money has always been there. Congress has allocated the money that this shouldn't have happened. Uh, I think they start chasing the money. They're going to see that California took the money that was supposed to be for uh, forest management and shunted that off into different programs and, frankly, into people's pockets. So there's a huge political scandal that's going to fall out out of this. For PG&E, welcome to the third world is the only way I can say it. I don't care why the power goes down voluntarily, but if you have to voluntarily take down power, there's something political going on because with proper management, with proper leadership, the correct funding, you shouldn't have these problems. I mean, think about it. PG&E has been dealing with seasonal high winds ever since it became a corporation. All of a sudden, it's a problem now. Why? Because there's so much fuel on the ground. And so the upshot for people that are in the blackout, the ones that are really getting the huge surprise are the ones that have got the solar panels on their homes, but they're called grid tied. And 
You can either be independent with your solar panels and you have batteries and inverters, necessary equipment to take care of yourself. But all of the special programs that are offered and subsidies and special deals and, oh my gosh, you're going to save money. And it could. And what happens is somebody gets a right to put solar panels up on the roof of your house and that goes straight to the power company. You don't get any of that. And so if the grid goes down and you're grid tied, you go down because what they're the reason why these grid tied systems are so affordable is that they don't have to buy the inverters and the battery systems and whatnot that are necessary to have a full independent system. So they cut the corners there. And what happens is essentially is that the grid, PG&E, fulfills that role that you'd normally have with an independent system where PG&E is handling power storage essentially and by giving you continuous power and they're also managing the power levels and all of that. And people will now uh, begin so, to appreciate uh, the power grid and of course tele- uh, telecommunications as well, Marshall. Uh, most of these mm-hmm. people now that are facing these issues, it makes everyone realize how dependent we are upon the power grids and uh, the communication networks for every aspect of our lives, really. It really is, but I'm going to share with you something that is really, I wouldn't have seen it coming. You know, usually when you have a blackout, it's like in your neighborhood or a transformer, a couple of houses go dark, whatever. With this, PG&E is taking down hundreds of square miles, all right? They literally, they have all these lines that branch in and they just shut down all the lines. And so there's nobody with electricity within 50 miles of me any which way, except in a few spots. Uh, The result is that all of a sudden the world becomes blissfully quiet. And at first it was so odd. I have to say it was the first, uh, when the first blackout hit, they did it at four o'clock in the morning. And yeah, I woke up and I sensed everything was, there was something very different in the world, very strange. And I had a little bit of a panic attack because I didn't know, whoa, what, what is this? And I got a hold of myself and realized the power had been off. But I came to realize what everybody else here is talking about and on the radio locally is that without the whole hum of electricity and all these Wi-Fi systems and all these communication systems, all of a sudden you take all this powered stuff down, then it's no longer, you're no longer swimming in a sea of RF emissions. That's right. Okay. And it's amazing. It is just amazing how, and, and you hear the world around you, and you sense it and you begin as the as it goes on, you immediately you relax, you sleep like a baby. Well, without right the grid. That. It's so I, I you know, now I understand the addiction, why people like going hiking and camping and getting out of doors. You know, because you sleep great. Well, of course, you don't have all these RF emissions that are coming in. And so people here are they appreciate that. Uh, if they can handle it, you know, so for college kids who get time off from classes and whatnot, you know, hey, this is fun. Uh, but if you got a grocery store 
you know, now everything in your meat counter is going south. Not so much fun. Or if you're trying to finish and a book like yourself, Marshall. I'm trying to finish my book. But these, you know, it is really an... I had, uh, unfortunately, I would get through this, but my inverter fried. Damn. <laughs> so I ordered <laughs> yes. another one, but I don't get it until Monday. I may not have my next inverter until the crisis has passed, but they're going to keep coming. We're having a really strong Indian summer, and usually fire season should be over by uh, Thanksgiving. Right. And um, so... We're going to have more of these. Yes, this is a good reminder that technology will fail us. Always a good reminder. Some technology will fail us. Other technology will, you know, will work. It'll do it. And uh, But I'll tell you one thing. When you're in the middle of it (laughs) and you've lost power or whatever, this is not the time to start, you know, do-it-yourself project. That's very true. Trying to figure out. You need to make sure everything you have is working. You know, you're keeping your battery systems charged. Uh, You're exercising your systems. You know that they're going to work. And uh, you just don't buy everything, set it in a corner. You really got to take some time and do that. So um, I, I expect probably two or three more of these blackouts before we're through the season. My goodness. And uh, but from, you know, from this point on, I will be unaffected. Yes. And Marshall, I also wanted to say welcome to the program. Certainly not your first rodeo here. You are a veteran of the program. Yes. And Marshall, I just wanted to quickly say, as we get things started here, uh, once again, I was bombarded with emails from multiple detractors. So, Marshall, uh, your your fans and critics are here for sure listening in very happily, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, They're nuts. Yeah, you know, everybody's got opinions. Oh, all yeah. right. People are after me, but, too. Don't worry, Marshall. Pardon? I said people are, are after me all the time, Marshall. It's okay. I enjoy no, it. No, I've always had <laughs> this. You know, it doesn't bother me. I think it's fun. It doesn't bother me. I get, you know, you hear that, but I get letters from people every day that are just beautiful. Oh, I know. I, and they appreciate the work that I'm doing. Like so, that phone call, yeah. Yeah, you know, there's always uh, crumudgeons. <laughs> right. Yeah, remember, uh, was it uh, the Muppet Show? Those two old characters up in the box, you know, always complaining. Oh, the yes. crumudgeon, you know, it's uh, so you're always going to have that. People always do that. Doesn't slow me down. I mean, hey, you and I don't get it half as bad as Trump, and it doesn't slow him down. That's true. Uh, you got to appreciate the trolls and the haters out there, Marshall. I, I mean, if you're not going to have a sense of humor, you're going to have a terrible life in the end. I agree. I agree. You know, I mean, if if the only thing you can do to think that you're doing something constructive is to attack other people because you, you know, and you haven't done your homework on top of it. Mostly they never do their homework. Absolutely. And uh, and they just want to do it. They want that feeling of superiority or they're really afraid of what you're talking about and they want to mock and humiliate you because of that. So, uh, hey, this is, you know, it doesn't matter if we're doing Planet X, you know, or gosh knows any other kind of topic. It's you got people, you got politics, you got opinions, 
And that's just the way it is. No, no doubt. And this is what we signed up for. And you got to appreciate everybody out there. And of course, the last time you were here, Leo Zagami was also present for the conversation. That was a lot of fun. What did you make of uh, Mr. Leo Zagami, Marshall? Oh, he's, I, I like him. He's colorful. Me too. Yeah. And, uh, you know, with what's happening with the church and, uh, there were a lot of interesting insights. And so, uh, that was, that was a fun show. It turned out to be pretty interesting, actually. Uh, it oh, was yeah. a lot, you know, with the double booking and the two of us coming on together. It was and, it turned out to be great. Yeah. So, um, Leo's Leo's a lot of fun. I don't know. I could do another one. Yeah, we'll we'll have to plan that again in the near future. Bring you two back on. That definitely was a lot of fun. Got a lot of feedback on that one. They they enjoyed both of you guys going back and forth. Yeah, yeah. We had it, it was a good. It was very different viewpoints, uh, but sometimes we were similar. I just. Right. The way we came at things from different sides of it, we would see completely different aspects of the same issue. So I think that was the thing that people liked. Oh, Leo's yeah. a good guy, and uh, yeah, it was a fun show. I haven't been doing as much interviews lately. This is probably my first one I've done in three or four weeks because I'm just right now I'm working on my next book, and that's it. It's I'm in my man cave authoring mode. Perfect. But, you know. I enjoy doing shows with you so much. You say, hey, come on. Oh, yeah, that's the way I find them like it. <laughs> Definitely. And Marshall, as we get things kicked off even further here, for those that are new in attendance, I, I definitely wanted you to sort of just talk about uh, a little bit about yourself very briefly. Just a quick rundown. Well, sure. Um, I have been, uh, since 1999, publishing com and been following space threats or changes a uh, number of topics and I tend to favor coming at things with more of a scientific approach and less speculation and more data uh, if you visit my sign site uh, yowusa also uh, marshallmasters.com and I'm publishing my science series and we're tracking two data sets and this is empirical data, this is hard science data on observed fireballs and earthquakes of all magnitude. Uh, since uh, January 2013, these two data sets have been upticking sharply and uh, have increased uh, by a factor of 10 since uh, January 1. It's, uh, and it just keeps accelerating. We just keep breaking new records. Uh, for the number of fireballs observed and the number of earthquakes of all magnitude. And uh, one of the things we've just picked up recently now is we're tracking a third data set, which we call very large earthquake swarms. And uh, there we're tracking three particular swarm regions and on the western U.S. side. And that will be China Lake, Northwest Territory, and Alaska. And uh, we're we're tracking the swarming activity there. If you go on the site, I think it's Article 43, and uh, this is on the VLE swarms. We really get into the statistical numbers. When you look at the 3D charts, you actually can see a wave forming 
uh, a pattern forming just in the statistical rendering of 3D. And uh, what we're saying is that there, the the data that we have in our you know in our sets, and we're just doing three t- regions that we're tracking, just these three. Uh, a fourth one we also track, which is Hawaii. Hawaii was the biggest on record so far. That was in 2018, June, July. Uh, and then we had China Lake and Northwest Territory in Alaska this year. And uh, but those three that happened this year um, are on plate boundaries, these regions. And so when we started looking hard at the data, J.P. Jones, who does a lot of the research on this, uh, we were going back and forth and I'm trying to I'm looking at it after we got the initial data sets. And it was one of those. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There ain't, this ain't beautiful. This is, you know, this is so ugly. Only a mother could love it. And I wouldn't want to meet the mother. <laughs> and, <Yes>. uh, <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, I was talking to him and I said, you know, I don't know where to go with it, where the data is taking. And I said, you're worthy. You're the one who's cranking on it. You're the one who's putting these 3Ds together. You know, just a hunch. What? Throw me a bone, anything. And JP just says, well, now, this may be kind of speculative. Now, uh, J.P. Jones, if you knew him, he wears belts and suspenders. So when he says speculative, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> People still wear suspenders. Speculative. But anyway, he said, I am seeing rivers and tributaries of magma flowing beneath the surface under the lithosphere. We're talking, and it's coming up, a huge river of magma coming up from the southern hemisphere and up into the northern hemisphere. And with a tributary system, you know, if you have like the Mississippi and its river tributaries, you have ponds, lakes, streams, all of these bodies of waters, places where water pools up and pushes through. Well, magma is a fluid. Why should it be any different? And so, what we're thinking and the reason why we're tracking these particular three uh, VLE swarm regions is that uh, we, when we analyze it, we really said, okay, if we have these rivers of magma, they're flowing at the plate boundaries where there's going to be the opportunity for them to flow. They could be considerable in size and a swarm would be the result of a blockage, all right? And, uh, you know, like, for example, uh, you get a blockage in an artery, you get a heart attack. Doctor goes in, and they put in a stent, and they open that up, and they open up the blockage. And nature, it could be something where China Lake, it just simply, there was a major blockage, and it had to clear, and uh, China Lake, for me, is really the concern because uh, China Lake is not that far from the Long Valley Caldera, which is a super volcano. Uh, it's got a single magma chamber, and it's not displacing. It's just growing in size. And so that's a concern. The Northwest Territory, it's following along the coast, pretty much along the Cascadia subduction zone. And then up in Alaska in the usual areas. The interesting thing about Alaska swarms, 
And this is one of the reasons why we felt that it was a tributary system, that Alaska could be at the end of that system. It could be the very end of that system because the swarming activity tapers off much faster in Alaska than it does in the other territories that we're tracking. But we still have more months of watching what's happening. Our goal is to be able at some point to say within a particular region of a plate boundary that things are really building towards something. And, you know, and I don't think that this method that J.P. Jones, uh, his, his hypothesis would be something you could say, fine, a specific location. I don't, we can't do that. Our data set won't give us that. But we sure can data mine uh, the database for a particular region. And that's what we're doing. And so it's, it's all getting, uh, you know, I, there's no good news. It seems it's like just, it. It just keeps, it's just bad getting worse. It, it definitely and, seems that way, Marshall. Pardon? I said it definitely seems that way. Yeah, it is. Um, my big concern is, uh, you know, what's going to come out of the sky right now. And uh, we're seeing all of this huge activity with fireballs. Now we're having impactors that are being reported. Uh, we're seeing more overseas reports of fireballs. This is, you know, getting more intense. And also, if you notice, you'll see more news stories. For example, uh, $16 million all of a sudden goes to the Arecibo telescope to start looking for impactors. I mean, whoa, that was big. For $16 million, you could build your own observatory and do that. And actually for a lot less, probably. And here, uh, that 16, this money it just goes into that facility. But they actually have the equipment and the capability to start looking now. You got to build something that takes a few years. If you need to see what's happening now, you see it. So that was something that really tipped me off that we're having more of an impact threat. I think that uh, meteorite showers as a result of the incoming Planet X system, uh, the Bible even warns about that. And uh, I can tell you that uh, in the book I'm writing right now, Win-Win Survival Communities, uh, you know, this is about how to design a shelter that's affordable, uh, that people can do themselves and uh, structure it in a simple way so that it will defend you against uh, an impact of event of a 100-pound stony meteorite, for example. And these are the kind, you know, and feeding yourself and forming community and how you're going to organize all of that. So my interest right now, I, I'm just not interested in proving Planet X to anybody. You know, by this point, you get it or you don't get it. Um, yes. I saw it last year with my own two eyes. And when I did, it just changed everything, changed my whole schedule, changed the way I organized my life. And I knew that right now we have a few years. There's a window of opportunity and people need a plan for creating viable survival communities of 100 to 150 people. Yeah. Uh, going out and building a bunker uh, with corrugated pipe 
is fine to get you through a short-term thing, but if we're talking about a decade-long tribulation, a slow-motion train wreck, uh, that's not going to be the best solution. You're going to have to have the ability to maintain a normal life and to continue producing fresh food no matter what's going on around you, whether there's earthquakes going on, volcanic eruptions, impact events, fires, floods. It's an all-hazard situation. So that's what uh, my focus is on. And I've been working on this book for five years, flying all over the country, looking at different regions to look at the geology, the real estate market, uh, all the different things. And you know, it's really interesting when you're doing that, that there are places you would think, uh, you know, right on the money, go for there, like Northwest Montana up there by uh, uh, Kalispell. Now, now, you don't want to go to Montana. You don't want to go to Kalispell. That's for darn sure whitefish. It's expensive and the people don't want you there because they've already got more preppers hanging around them than they know what to do with it. And, you know, it's you see them driving around in these old pickup trucks with the camouflage paint jobs. And it's not, you know, it. I can remember in Texas, we used to say Texas is the only state in the union where you see a Volvo with a gun rack. Uh, <laughs> and we joke and laugh about that. Uh, it's seeing all these trucks running around with gun racks. You know, it's, I, I can see why the locals there just, you know, want them gone. Uh, it's, it's a little scary to have that around. Uh, but there are other parts of the country where people wouldn't think there are good opportunities for creating a survival community and there are fantastic opportunities. And so these are the kinds of things that, you know, I do see people want to do something about it. Uh, and my strategy that I'm building the book around is that you form a church and you do it as a church, unaffiliated independent church and no religion. You just do a church. Church is a gathering of people to serve the will of God. Religion is an explanation. Legally, you don't have to have a religion to be a church. So why take the overhead? Let everybody have their own religion. It's a part of their heritage. Everybody comes together because you want to serve God. And uh, to do a community where there are just three things that you're going to do. Now, manage resources, raise families, and be a shining light of hope for all. By the way, Marshall, I'm sorry to cut in, but Marshall, are you open to take phone calls, by the way? Sure. Okay, well, if anybody does want to call that number, 760-332-8724, it is up on the screen now. Yeah, that is the number. Call in if you do have a question. If you are intrigued by anything we're talking about, there's the number. Call in, 760-332-8724. Don't be shy. Neither myself or Marshall bites too hard. (laughs) That's right. I have sharp teeth, though, so I might bite a little bit harder. Well, it's not like we brush our teeth with a rat tail file. <laughs> That's true. I don't. And <laughs> by the way, Marshall, uh, your articles, uh, signs 43 and 44 really did catch my attention. And of course, I did want to ask you about California, where you said mm-hmm. it's going to go into the ocean or sink into the ocean, rather. Yeah. I mean, that was, uh, this is how California sinks into the ocean. And, In other words, what we're saying is that um, 
you don't have to necessarily have a global disaster for California to go. It could be that we have a, a river of magma that's coming up, and then you start having blockages, then all of a sudden the whole thing goes screwy. And it could happen in a regional thing, And but this is also something could happen, you know, Vesuvius could go again. Uh, in Italy, they could get hammered really bad. Right. So uh, we're we're seeing this. Uh, what's the force propelling it? All right. That's uh, let me take a moment on that. Right now, we know that the North Pole is moving a lot. It's erratic. Okay. And it's been moving around so much that they've actually had to repaint uh, the numbers on the end of the runways. Because the runways, you know, it could be a runway says, you know, it's 120 degrees, and then all of a sudden, no, it's 125 or it's 130. All right. And um, the this is going on, and we have a magnetic pull shift that's building. Now, these have been documented in geological history and uh, magnetic pole shift where north and south flip and the North Pole becomes the new South Pole. What they have determined deep time geological is that this begins, this trend begins in the southern Atlantic and there are regions in the southern Atlantic where it starts flipping and the polarity starts there. So this is where it begins is in the southern hemisphere, not in the northern hemisphere. And... We're not saying it's increasing the amount of magma or increasing any aspect of it except for one, acceleration. There's, if there's a river of magma that's moving from the southern hemisphere up to the northern hemisphere, we have this uh, a recirculating system, if you will. If we have this magnetic pole shift and these polarity flips that are happening in the southern hemisphere, then this would be accelerating the magma, and that in turn is doing that. So what is bringing on the pole flip and the magnetic pole shift is these are natural events, I think, right now. It's more a case of it's being exacerbated because we have the nemesis star at the center of the planet X system, which is coming in, and it's interacting with our sun, and our sun has more luminescence. It's slightly brighter. It doesn't have to be a lot. A little bit goes a long way. And it's this increasing luminance that's bringing all the radiation in the photons. That's the whole point of chemtrail spraying, is to reflect the photons and the radiation that they carry back out into space. And they do, of course, they do a whole lot of other things as well. It's pretty nasty. But that's the main thing, is to keep the photons off the surface, because then they go in, and this is what is causing the the activity and uh, the extra pressure of the magma. That's That's what's happening. So you may have an area where it has a normal flow rate, but all of a sudden, that f- the flow of magma is becoming much stronger, and it's like saying, okay, I'm going to try and empty a, a one-inch hose into a half-inch hose. Now, if, if you got one half of the water pressure, that works. But you got full water pressure, no, that's not going to work. Very interesting, and, Marshall. Uh, 
I re- Pardon? I was I was just saying very interesting. I do recall reading about the Earth's magnetic north pole had drifted indeed, and it's caused a bit of concern uh, for lots of scientists out there. And of course, the North Pole is moving from the Canadian Arctic towards Russia. Last I remember, mm-hmm. that is crazy stuff there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all happening. So, I mean, things that I've been talking about for twenty years are, are happening. I'm sitting here in a blackout, and that's true. This you blackout are. is now um, uh, it, it's partly that it's much drier, and partly because political reasons and incompetence. Uh, so that creates a perfect storm situation. You know, you take with natural plus stupid people and, uh, you have these kind of things. But as California goes, so goes the rest of the nation. You now the question will be is if we start seeing voluntary cutoffs elsewhere. But if I were a young man right now living in California, oh, baby, I would get into the solar business. <laughs> I'd money. go make a career there. I mean, there's a lot of people here that are really, you know, now they look at PG&E and it changes the whole metric, you know, having your own solar versus using the utility. And the utility always had the advantage of, well, everyone understands it's going to be reliable. And if a storm takes it down, you know, it probably would take you down. So it's not a big thing. But now with these voluntary cutoffs, and reliability. People are, uh, I'm seeing businesses, particularly the grocery stores. Uh, there are people that are, you know, they're coming in with these huge generators like you see in construction projects. Yes, the power generators. And yeah, yeah, power, big power generators. And they want to keep their, you know, their uh, their cases cool and uh, like one or two registers open. Those things catch on like fire. Yeah, those things catch on fire very easily. Uh, those big industrial sized power generators, I recall uh, having a few bands played down here in El Centro many, many moons ago and uh, acquiring these huge units myself at, at a very early age. I had no business being able to acquire such heavy machinery at such a young age, by the way. But those things do wow. overheat and catch on fire very easily. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people who are saying that there's probably going to be people dying as a result of their medical devices aren't working. Oh, yeah. Or, they, you know, they wind up, their houses catch fire because of generators. Um There'll be injuries just from people having to 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 cope with all of this that's going on. So, uh, but still the same. It's not gonna. This is not gonna resolve anytime soon. They're already telling us here that this will. This is gonna be this like this for the next ten years. Wow, that is yeah. dark indeed. No, no pun intended. It is dark, and you know that's why everyone feels that it's political. That what PG&E is trying to do, send a message to the bankruptcy court right. and to the state that, uh, you know, hey, uh, we can't take this hit. And so, uh, we're you know, the whole argument that they're doing this so people don't get burned to death in fires, which they did last year. And, and that was a bad fire. I was going to Washington up I you know, Interstate 5. And I had to take a huge detour to get around the campfire. And uh, I'll never forget, I was, you know, I was up there and 
my gosh, the smoke was so thick, it was terrible. And uh, it was really, you know, burn your eyes. It was hard on your lungs. It was terrible. Uh, They closed Interstate 5. I think that was the first time they closed a a major highway like that. And they had to close it because the highways was actually littered with burned out wrecks, cars that were abandoned and burned up when the fire jumped. So they have this, you know, they have the problem here. It's combination of factors, but still the same. The underlying factor is that we have all the dry wood. I mean, it's like there are political action groups that will not let them go in and actually do a good job of forest management to get this stuff out. And uh, so, but on the other hand, there's a lot more of it than there ever was before, too. So it's a it's a whole number of factors. Uh, still the same, I think, for everyone else. The message is very simple. Pacific Gas and Electric is a third world power company, and it's the most expensive per kilowatt hour in the country. Yes, it's um. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, they get their acts together and end this um sort of silly thing here. This um this a uh, race for. We're not going to. They're not going to do it unless the state says, uh, you know, we're going to give you a liability waiver. But as long as they're liable for, you know, fires, there were, they had those $11 billion in judgments and they were held guilty for a fire that actually they didn't start. It was started by private electrical equipment in a vineyard. But they were, they got dragged through the court as well. It's not that everybody likes PG&E. They're not, you know, uh, you know, it, it's it's an abusive marriage. Yeah. By the way, Brooke, <laughs> Brooke in the chat room says they make money doing this. I have a reason to believe that that is probably true. I would venture to say PG&E is probably running its power plants, but selling the energy out of the area. Brooke says people and, pay uh, a flat rate. They still have to pay even when they don't get the services. Uh, Brooke, by the way, is out there in Northern California where the fires are basically mm-hmm. center stage. Uh-huh. Terrible. It is. And uh, I, th- you know, the thing that is so sad is that just before all this happened, and as a ham radio operator, I really was upset about this. Cal Fire has, for decades, have had repeaters on their towers for a network of ham radio operators that are fire spotters and, and do emergency message relays and stuff like that. So they're, uh, it's emergency is a dedicated emergency repeater for fires. And during the Paradise Fire and the campfire, there were times when the only people on the air were the hams and they were relaying messages for people and helping out. Cal Fire just told the hams, your repeaters are coming off our towers. If you want the repeaters back up, you have to pay us a huge tax, which is the same way as saying, we don't want you. And if you want to do it, here's an impossibly expensive price you can't afford. And so, uh, you know, they've come out and they've shut down the hams and when I look at that and then I look what's happening with the power grids and how this is being orchestrated and how they're doing this with a lot of surgical precision, the way that they leave just enough operational that 
it doesn't start a panic, but it's mostly just a hell of a lot of inconvenience for everybody. So that's what I think that pg e is really trying to do right now. I don't think you know, all of a sudden the pg e doesn't want people to get burned in fires. I mean, PG's been doing that and people have been burning in fires since pg e was incorporated. Uh, this is about pg e doesn't, they don't want to get burned in a fire. They don't want to get another billion dollar judgment. They're already in bankruptcy court as it is. Yeah, this is a very big deal. This is a very big deal for those that don't know, that don't uh, have any sort of knowledge of of the situation here. Those that are oblivious, this is quite a big deal. It is. And uh, as I say, as as goes California, so goes the nation. Everyone else in the rest of the country needs to be looking at this because this is the kind of stuff that could start happening in other places as well. Exactly. It could happen where you're at right now, ladies and gentlemen. You could be in the dark and you don't want to be there. Yeah. No, no. I mean, it's, you know, when the power does go out, I I have to say, I really enjoy it. Uh, You know, not having that electrical hum in your life and all that RF pounding through you, you notice it. And you notice mm -hmm. it more when it comes back on, too. You know, I will say this. When I do leave El Centro, this tiny little town that I live in, when I go out somewhere, let's say like Los Angeles, and I'm there for, let's say, a week. I notice that my sleep isn't quite exactly the same. I do notice that it does take me a bit longer to actually fall asleep. And it's not because of the comfort of the bed. It's because of all the noise and distractions I could clearly hear, uh, even in through the, through the window or through the room. I, I still hear that noise from the city. Uh, and those yeah. that, yeah, and those that have lived out there for a long time, once they actually go out and like move or go into a smaller town that doesn't have nearly as many people, they definitely find out about that silence, especially out in the country, Marshall. Yeah. Yeah. Just dead and silence. It, it's, you know, the thing of it is, is that it feels so good. It, it really feels does. natural. Yeah. And it feels, at first though, it feels very alien because we're so used to having the electricity around us. But um, I think a, a, a helpful upshot is that when there is a collapse of the grid, initially, that the panic may not be as severe as people would say it's going to be, because I've been watching what happens when people hear. The power goes off, and uh, it's kind of like uh, anti-electronic Valium or something. (laughs) Everybody just relaxes a little bit. Now, once they start getting hungry, then, you know, then the party's over. Right, right. But initially, mm -hmm. so... I think the up, I think the valuable thing about knowing this is that if you're in a big city and a metroplex and the grid goes down, everything for about 24 hours is going to be people be patient and getting through it. But what you should do is before that first 24 hours is up, excuse me, you need to get out of there and get to wherever your plan B location is. And you're not going to have people are just uh, when the power goes out, they hunker down, they stop moving around. Um, you know, uh, they they are going to gas stations, supermarkets, ATMs. People are afraid of that because there's a lot of chance of being mugged and robbed. Uh, so they just hunker down. And they're not, you know, so you have that initial period when a grid collapses that. You're not going to see hysteria 
you may see a lot of concerns, some angry voices, some worry, but the interesting thing is take away the RF radiation and that continual source of aggravation in our bodies is gone. And that'll actually help cool things. So if you have your plan B, get the family and then just orderly little, you know, get in the car and go. As you're telling get out of the Metroplex. As you're telling me these things, Marshall, I can't help but think of Hurricane Katrina and all that disaster that came with it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Katrina was terrible. And uh Katrina was it was interesting back in 2003, Nancy Leader uh, at Zeta Talk had uh, this one fe- a fellow by the name of Mark Hazelwood, and uh, he plagiarized a lot of her material and wrote a book, Blindsided, and it just scared a hell of a lot of people that in the summer of 2003, Nibiru would come in and we'd have all kinds of hell breaking loose. And we had a lot of people writing us. We had just started reporting on Planet X back then. And it was a terrible time. I mean, our web stats were amazing. Uh, I've never seen anything like that. But the letters that we got from people, and they're like, do I sell everything I have? And, you know, oh, my gosh. Uh, it was just awful to, to, to read these letters and how uh, fearful and upset. And we didn't see anything in the data. Yeah, we were publishing an article, you know, this Zeta Factor, Zeta Hysteria. And uh, even Zachariah Sitchin came to me and gave me an interview because he didn't want, you know, he, he thought this was nonsense. Um, Interesting. And then after that, after, you know, after the non-event, which was July of that year, uh, interest in the topic of Planet X cratered. I mean, it cratered. Um, and... For us, that was a really good time because I was doing, we were we were researching, so we didn't have all the distraction of the whole Zeta thing. And uh, then at the end of 2004, you had Sumatras, and uh, that hit in December of 2004, and then that started getting some interest coming back into Planet X, but it was after Katrina. Wow. It was like, you know, a double barrel shotgun. Boom, boom. And uh, then it just really started going. So the Planet X topic is not driven so much by uh, controversy. Planet X is, although <clears throat> the probable, there was one month in 2017 where more people researched Planet X on the web than probably in the previous 10 years. Yeah, of the very, internet. Very interesting, and that was, Marshall. As, as, you're, uh, as you're talking about this, Marshall, that reminds me, you did make a reference to the film, the 2012 film, uh, the movie 2012, uh, released back in right. 2009. And I still remember first seeing that movie and how it had such a impact on some people. It actually made some people legitimately terrified. Uh, of course, that leads us back to a sign 17. Yeah, yeah. And um, it was the thing about 2012, Emmerich, you know, I mean, there's a lot of eye candy, okay? Oh, yeah. And, you know, sitting there and you could have a conversation and talk to somebody in the car, uh, you know, with a God knows what magnitude where, you know, you <laughs> the whole city's crumbling and coming apart. Uh, if you've ever been in a big earthquake like I have, 
uh, you know that you're not going to have a conversation. Um, but what I really liked most about 2012 was the way he accurately portrayed the elites. That was really cool. And because he showed them for exactly what they are and they're hypocrites. And they made sure that they were the only ones who knew what was going to happen. And everyone else was like, you're going to die. Right. And they sentenced the world to death. They didn't even give people a chance to fight for their lives. And that's who they are. That's the way they work. And, you know, he made and he nailed it. He nailed it exactly who they are how they operate, what they do. So if you want to see a picture of the elites, you look at 2012. The rest of it, it's eye candy. By the way, Marshall, I'm sorry to interrupt you yet again here so rudely. I, I have to ask you this. The the chat room wants to know where exactly are you? If if you can say that is. In Grass Valley? Okay. That's where he's at, boys and girls. Grass Valley, California right now. Yeah, people wanted to know. Like Brooke, she says, mm -hmm. where in the world is Marshall San Diego? Well, Masters, but you get the point. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I'm out in the country. And uh, like I said, I'm doing uh, a lot of the research for my next book here. Love that. And Marshall, I got to ask you, so, I'm sorry to cut you yeah. off yet again, Marshall, here so rudely, but I have to ask sure. this. Um, since we are talking about all these scenarios, I have to ask you, since this is end of days here, what do you see in terms of this planet's sort of demise? And and how would that demise be? And what is it going to be? Is it the sun or are we going to have maybe an object from space hit us? W what do you think is going to happen? I recall asking Lawrence Krauss this the last time I interviewed him, mm -hmm. and I asked him what kind of end of day scenario what could we could possibly face, in other words, and I brought up the sun and he wasn't really too into that that theory. He doesn't think the sun is just going to take us all out. Well, actually, that's what um, <clears throat> if you read Nostradamus uh, in letter to his son, uh, he talks about, I think, year like thirty eight hundred, something like that. And uh, it is a solar event. Uh, a solar storm, and I, you know, with what we have, this current flyby of the Planet X system is survivable. We're not; it's, it's not an end of life uh, event with this. It is going to be a near extinction event for a lot of species, including us. We're going to get whittled down, but we will survive, and we will rebuild, and then we will have time to get out to the stars. Um, if the Planet X system comes in, there's something called the Kozai mechanism, and it was uh, Yoshida Kozai, a Japanese astronomer, developed it, explained uh, when you have two objects orbiting each other. And the larger dominant object, you know, that's the 800-pound gorilla. So the other one's going to respond to it. And one of two things is going to happen if that other object is in an abnormal orbit. Uh, like a comet-like orbit. And it's going to either, eventually, the orbit is going to alter until it spins in and hits the larger object, or it gets completely spun out, goes off into deep space. And with this flyby of the Nemesis system, I think what we'll, we may see, and I think this is what the K-1 
Catholic Church with the observatory they have in Arizona. Uh, we analyzed that many years ago in their uh, observatory, Lucifer Observatory. Right in southeast Arizona is perfectly situated to make the longest possible observation of the flyby. And I think the reason why they want to do that is they want to see if in this flyby, the orbits are altered so that maybe uh, the nemesis system, its orbit tightens. It could be the next time it comes around. It could be maybe 1,800 years instead of 3,600 years. And so I would, in, in that event, it's going to come in. It's going to be closer to the sun. One of its planets uh, may collide with the sun uh, or a moon. Uh, something like that, a large event like that, would cause a solar eruption. And if we're in the crosshairs of it, that's it. That's I mean, it's it over. Burn this burn you know they just burn the planet skin right off not only do i have to so, wor- not only do i have to worry about I, asteroids I see, I see solar as being the big solar the, the, yes. the, the biggest threat not yes not only do i have to worry about solar events just like you marshall but i also have to worry about earthquakes out here in california i'm right on the fault line here as close as one can get marshall and of course back in 2010 i did experience the 7.2 magnitude earthquake out here that rocked the hell out of Southern California. I, I did not like that, my friend. I did not like feeling that dizzy at that early in the daytime. <laughs> no, no, no. Yes. I mean, no, there's nothing. I mean, it's like <laughs> being in an earthquake is like doing laundry. I hate it. Have you ever found a real happy laundry day song? <laughs> Oh, here we are in the earthquake today, the earthquake today. No, no, there's no way you're going to have fun in an earthquake. Oh, no. Matter of fact, you probably have more fun doing your laundry. Yes, for sure. (laughs) And, uh, you know, so uh, did it leave you pretty shaken up for a few days? It did. I felt nauseous for a while. Even after trying to help myself not feel so nauseous, I still felt kind of nauseous. Yep, yep. So hell yep, no, I yep. don't want to experience that ever again. Well, you know you will. But I will, yeah. That's the sad part. Have you thought about relocating? I have. I mean, I don't feel comfortable knowing that I am below sea level, Marshall. That's It's, it's a death trap. Not good. <laughs> hell Not no. Good. <laughs> and I mean, El Centro is... Oof. You're what I think you're at the, you know, you're at the bottom end of the valley. I am. I'm right down here, right at the end. Dead end. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, and that used to be an inland sea. Yeah, the Salton Sea is out here, about an hour away. Oh, you're an hour from the Salton Sea. Yes, oh, my sir. gosh. I'm out here, my friend. Yeah. It's death. That was, in the early days, that place was really, that was uh, it banging. Was, it you was know? kicking Everybody back. Everybody was there. Yeah, it was kicking Having a time. good time. Life was great, and then it just got salty. <laughs> it, it got very salty, and everything died. Yeah, yeah, everything died. Uh, I remember I was there once when I was a kid. Oh, wow. And my uh, godparents. And I went, you know, I went down and uh, the water just was, it, the the water there is as, is literally darn near as salty as the Dead Sea in Israel. Yes, it is. And uh, got out there and... Uh, I just was in a little old boat with an electric motor and went 
tooling around and I mean, there was nothing there. Even then there was no life, no fish, no nothing. And, uh, yeah, just a dead area. And cause it's, it's unnatural. I don't know. What do they say is going to happen with the salt and sea? Well, they were supposed to do something recently. They were going to, I, I know they were trying to fix it up at one time. Mm-hmm. I, I do know that, but now I'm not so sure what they want to do in terms of the salt and sea. They were going to restore it and try to make it better. But now I'm not so sure what they want to do with the, with the salt and sea. I know there was an article mm-hmm. recently that came out couple days ago but i didn't i didn't i didn't get a chance to read it but it says that the imperial county air pollution control board says it's aware of the harmful dust and pollution at the Sultan sea and that it is harming imperial county citizens and i could have told you that uh way before they did marshall that the pollution in the air out here and uh, the crop dusting of course and not to mention the Sultan sea that smell sometimes can drift all the way out here where i'm at oh yeah, yeah terrible right Oh, oh man! You know, it's not good. We're not terribly good stewards of the earth. We're not actually. We're destroying this earth, <laughs> sadly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so we're harvesting the problems that we've sown, and uh, I can tell you, looking at what's coming ahead in this year, uh, I'm listening to a lot of farmers and. Uh, you have the big commercial growers, yeah, and they're saying they're having different kind of problems. I mean, uh, as long as they have twelve hours of sunlight, you know, they can grow anything anywhere because they just dump chemicals on it. Yep. Um, but the problem that they're having now is that they all the rains uh, they're getting where they're planting late. Well. You have different seeds that mature at different rates, and the best ones is 130 days to harvest, and that's going to give you your best best corn, best yield, best price. Well, what happened was the rain started late, so instead of people having 130 days to grow their corn, they have 100 or 110 days. And if you have 130-day corn, that means you're harvesting it before it's really ready. That means, yeah, you can still sell it and get money for it, but you're going to take a hell of a beating. And the seed companies, Monsanto, had 90-day corn and 100-day corn, 110-day corn, whatever. But those, they have those seeds in reserve for what have been in the past cyclical fluctuations. They no way were they prepared for what happened this last year. And so we had a lot of farmers that had a plant with what they had, and they planted 130-day corn and only had 100, 110 days to grow it before they harvested. So what we're what we're going to see this year is going to be a certain degree of uh, shortages and price increases. You'll notice things going up. We're right on an edge. Uh, the concern, uh, and also we're see, I'm hearing feedback from what I call a garden market gardeners, and uh, these are people that are doing small operations that are highly profitable, labor intensive, and uh, they're reporting that their yields are going down. And there's for the market gardeners, uh, many of them are saying, "I, I got to start growing indoors." And so they're setting up hothouses and others are going to indoor 
where uh, they're using LED and uh, CFL lighting and stuff like that for raising their plants. And because uh, some of this year was so disruptive that they've had a lot of crop loss. At this point, uh, one commercial farmer that does 4,000 acres, and what I heard him saying was that there is uh, approximately this year is a 35% shortfall on the harvest. And the market is not pricing that in because they had a bumper crop from the year before. So there's a reserve. So they're going, it's a shortfall this year, but the reserve covers it. So we're neutral. And so we don't need to buy extra corn. Well, that whole market assumption is that this coming summer, this next season, go things go back to usual. If they don't, if we have another 2018, another 2019, uh, 2020, we go with the same pattern that we had in the last year, we're going to get caught with our pants down. And then you're going to start seeing shortages, real shortages. Um, and it, you're also uh, something that'll be frustrating will be American crops are going to be sold overseas and we're going to get stuck with high prices here. And when that happens, there's going to food security or what you would call food sovereignty is going to become a very public issue. Now, right now, you go into Safeway, everything you want, Kroger, whatever, everything you want, it's all stacked up. Right. But people have no idea how fragile it is. When in in 98, I was working on uh, Y2K for Hewlett Packard. And the thing about Y2K was that you had guys like Bill O'Reilly who didn't, you know, everything he knew about computers, if it were dynamite, he couldn't crack a fingernail. And guys just dumbass telling everybody, well, Microsoft fixed it. I got the patch. Why is everyone hysterical? And it was because there were a lot of people with legacy systems that in major corporations, and if they went down, their competitors would eat their lunch. Um, and the thing is that if you go to the store and you buy a box of cornflakes, all right, by, by the time you have ordered, you know, you've sat down in the next morning and poured yourself the, a bowl of cornflakes and you're munching away, by that time, probably 10 or 15 computers have had a conversation about your transaction and a truck is, you know, someone in a warehouse is already loading a box of cornflakes to replace what you took off the shelf because Kellogg's or anyone else, once they got short the shelf space in a store, that's it. It's cool. They don't want to lose it. And so you have all these computers that talk to each other and they're automating it. It's called supply chain management. Now, the reason why we have supply chain management with computers was before computers, food suppliers, warehouses, jobbers, and so forth had to keep a 90-day supply of food in, in the system because it was all manual. So it was kind of like a huge slinky, and you had to be able to compensate. And so you had a 90-day 
supply of food. Well, now with computers and it's all efficient, we don't have a 90-day supply of food. We have a 90-hour supply of food. That's it. There's just a few days. And so if you have a major shortage, if something like that happened in the 50s, it would have been a month before people would have seen a real impact. Uh, whereas with us, it'll just be in a couple of days. And that's what people do not understand about this vulnerability, is that we really live on a knife's edge. And we're banking, you know, the market is banking that the farmers are going to have another bumper year. So they're not factoring in a higher price that would command additional production because they don't want to pay for that. They want to, they want their bonuses. They, they want to buy their Kung Fu dolls for their kids, right. whatever they want to do. But, uh, that's, that's where, that's where we're going. So food insecurity is going to be it. Uh, we'll continue seeing more observation reports of Planet X, a lot more talk about it. Uh, but it, it's going to be food insecurity that is going to probably wake a lot of people up. I also looking at the amount of fireball activity that we're tracking in our science articles. I, you know, it's who knows how long it's going to be, but all we need is, you know, one good event and where a lot of people die and wow, that's going to change things. So, I mean, where we're really going, Michael, yeah, Japan. we're creeping up. Right. We're creeping up on the dragon and and sticking it in the tail, thinking we're clever. The dragon's going to wake up and roast us. It seems that way. And by the way, the Japanese scientists are pretty much taking notice of this. And they're really one of the only, well, I shouldn't say the only ones, but they're pretty much focused on all these asteroids and the fireball incidents that are definitely happening. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, there. Why do you see all of these stories? All of a sudden, we're starting to see meteorite stories and asteroid stories in the news. Have you noticed? There's not the usual once in a while, once every few weeks, or something like that, or an honorable passing, you know, on the third page next to the you know used car sales ads. I mean, this is starting to go front page. It's getting more, you know, more position. Yeah. Because what the government is trying to do is they want to establish that they're talking about this threat and they're trying to do something so that when something does happen, they can say, well, we weren't asleep at the switch, but we couldn't see it coming either. And that's what they're going to say. Very, very interesting, Marshall. And of course, I wanted to move the focus just a little bit slightly here. And uh, switch gears. I also noticed you also have been keeping up with uh, Q and HN, and it seems like the founder of the message board, I believe is Frederick Brennan, he definitely doesn't want HN to resurface yet again, even though it kind of has come back, but still down yet again. They changed their name from HN to 8 Kun. And uh, the founder, yes, he does not want this to come back. And the reason behind it is QAnon. I definitely want your take on the owner and his thoughts and opinions and your take on this, Marshall. Well, they're, uh, if they're going to come back and they're, what they're doing right now, and I've been tracking 8chan, um, 
8chan has, I followed it in a move. The domain name was never canceled. All of that was nonsense. What happened was he didn't lose his hosting company. Uh, the Worldwide Consortium did not remove his domain name. Uh, nobody did anything to him. It was a progressive uh, business owner. And uh, with, uh, I believe it was Cloudflare, uh, this is a company that gives you security services as a buffer. You don't have denial of service attacks. And so what happened was they were deplatformed from their security provider. And what they're doing now is they're bringing it back so that they don't need a third-party uh, service to do that. They'll be able to do it themselves. And uh, once they're operating, you know, it takes time. This is a major effort. Right. Uh, when they come up and they're fully operational again, I can, you know, I think Q will resume posting. And if it goes to 8 Kuhn, uh and he drops 8chan, uh, you know, it could be there when you're doing your software development, you run parallel systems. Uh, that may be doing something, but I've been tracking them and uh, they're operational and they're putting in a very impressive security service. Uh, I was finding now I could, I could do a trace route and now do a trace route. You may get 20 steps in the last six time out. They, you know, is you're not going to find out where that trace route went. So they're, they're working to get it hid. Uh, I see Q coming back. I also see this. We have court TV. There's a, Right now, the tension in the country is really ratcheted up. Uh, the Democrats are pushing really, really hard for an impeachment. And they've, it's a little upsetting for me to see that they've thrown due process out the window. That's a little scary. Yes. Uh, yes. Let's talk about the that. Very here. scary. Yeah I, yeah. I, yeah, I definitely want to get into that with you here, the political spectrum. But before we do, before, before we do, I just want to quickly mention that back in August, that's when HN was set offline in the wake of the El Paso Walmart shooting, if you can remember. And of course, the, mm -hmm. the suspect, of course, was that conduct the, the massacre. He posted like a four page rant, if I recall that correctly, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, wow, that definitely caught everyone's attention. And of course, I have to say, in reference to guns, we've seen an alarming rate of mass shootings in this nation, not just school shootings, but in general, gun violence statistics across the United States, Marshall, are insanely high. 72% of all murders across the nation involve the use of guns, Marshall. Do you think it's safe to say or assume that we do have a bit of an issue with guns here in America? And for the record, I'm not for gun control at all. I, I own many guns and I love guns very much, but I do recognize that there seems to be some sort of issue with guns, my friend. Well, more people die in car wrecks. Are you going to outlaw uh, cars? I had a feeling you were going to say that. Uh, people are going to, you know, if you take their guns away, they'll kill each other with knives. With take another their knives true. away, they'll use hammers. Right. If people are going to kill, they're going to kill. All right. It's not the it's it's not the weapon. It's whoever's wielding I the weapon that. that's going to do it. Yes. But I look at um, you know, United States is not a nation that anybody would want to invade. 
because we got so many guns that if we were invaded and we all decided to fight, whoever's here, they're going to get hit from every direction. Very true. They're going to get hit all over the place. And so, um, you know, we as a nation, we're, we're, you know, you don't want to try, you know, we got two oceans and tons of guns. A lot of guns. And so we're not worried about them coming in and invading. And all of a sudden, you know, it's, uh, you know, some war scenario like that. Uh, I see that a lot of the stuff that we have in the society right now, we have a lot of people that are crazy. But you look at these incidents, there's been a consistent theme in the Q community that there's these mass shooters, these active shooter incidents. Yes. And what's happening is that the deep state is finding these people that are just on the edge of doing something stupid. Mm. And they push them off the edge and they go do something stupid because they want to block up a news cycle. You know, it's interesting. You take a look at all these shooting events, these active shooter events, and look to see what was happening in the news cycle the day or two before that. And uh, because on the Q community, there is a real concern. I mean, it's not one of these dismissive, well, they're getting active shooters. They don't want that. I mean, they don't want innocent people to be hurt. But when they're pushing real hard on the deep state and the globalists, I mean, the stuff that's going to come out, Trump said, you're going to see things you can't believe, and, and people will. Uh, that's the reason why you have Adam Schiff and a skiff down in the basement and uh, throwing due process and everybody out of the room that he doesn't want there. Um, they're desperate. And... There's a lot of pressure. Anything right now, they're ratcheting, and the mainstream media is doing it as well. And what's really set them off, and we're worried that there's going to be another active shooter event, is that uh, the you know they've just announced that uh, they're going into criminal investigation. It's no longer uh, you know a just a, an agency investigation investigating itself. This is now a criminal investigation. And the deep state is going to be terrified of that. And they're going to do something to try and derail this. We're going to see a lot more ugliness, a lot more ugliness that's going to come. It's going to, and it's really going to stun people and uh, knock them out because what they're going to do right now is what I call the squeeze. And it's slow pain. It's slow pain. Um, they just, it's, we're coming at you. We're coming at you. We're coming at you. You know, they're just dropping these little breadcrumbs. And if you have done something that you know was definitely wrong, you're going to be worried. And so guys like Brennan and Clapper, Comey, uh, they got to be sweating bullets right now. And because uh, now it's officially gone to a criminal mode. But that also means there could be a really nasty deep state uh, incident that's going to be triggered. And we, so wherever you go, wherever you go, be mindful of your surroundings. And now that we have fully made the transition into the political realm here and never a dull moment for our president, Donald J. Trump, I've had my issues with him, but I still like the guy and many don't. And I can understand why. 
And I will also say, Marshall, I've never seen such an effort to annihilate his current run. He's facing a major heat with many of the top brass and uh, the mainstream media. I've never seen them go after anyone like this before. And of course, as you know, the mainstream media is also comparing this uh, to Watergate and Richard Nixon, as you know. Well, they like I, rem- that. I remember Watergate and I remember Richard Nixon and I remember Nixon. They love bringing that up, by the way. Due process. Right. And I'm looking at this and I'm going, there is no due process. I mean, this is Soviet style justice here. All right. This is not, you know, what what's happening right now is it's desperate. You know, it's everyone forget all of the reasons that they're arguing about. The people who scream the loudest are the ones worst at risk. You know, if you are the one that knows you have been doing all these awful things that you don't want anybody to know about, and this investigation is going to expose you, what are you going to do? You're going to attack the investigation. You're going to want to try and shut it down or get rid of whoever ordered it. You don't want that investigation to go through. And so that's the reason why we're seeing every all the noise that we have. It's It's all kabuki theater. It's all kabuki theater. They don't have, uh, you know, and I sit there and I I look at the mainstream media. I look what they report as a, you know, I was a, with CNN, I was a science feature producer. I worked with other networks. Uh, I was a photojournalist in the army. I remember a time when there was professionalism in the industry, you know, basically. A long time ago. I worked with at CNN, I would say. Uh, at the time I did was when, when Turner was running it, uh, they were intelligent, bright people, honest, hardworking, wanted the story, and they had round heels. Today, about all that's left of CNN are the heels. Um, yes. It, it, I, it pains me to turn on and look at it. It, it just pains me to look at it because it's like invasion of the body snatchers. They left the canons of good journalism and ethics Man, they just left it. Everybody just picks up the 4 a.m. talking points and right. they go. And you read articles and the articles have these salacious, glaring headlines. And then you read the article and it's a nothing burger. Yeah, that's the clickbait, as they call it online. Yeah, right. it's clickbait. You know, and I mean, it's like, girl, remember what Lincoln said? You can fool all the people all the time or some of the people all the time, but not all of the people all the time. That's right. Um, I just look at this and it's really sad, but what's going to come next, you know, all of this stuff, first off, in order to get an impeachment, you have to have law and facts. Okay. They don't have it. There's an old saying in the legal profession, if the law's on your side, pound the law. If the law's not on the side, but the facts are on your side, pound the facts. If the law nor the facts are on your side, pound the table. And what we see right now is a lot of table pounding. They don't have facts. They don't have law. That's the reason why they're in a skiff and doing, you know, Soviet-style secret hearings. The reason why a whistleblower, you know, starts a huge scandal, and all of a sudden we're not allowed to know who the whistleblower is. That's a little uh, unusual, in my opinion, as well. Yeah, well, it's all a setup. In other words, it's uh, what they're trying to do is stampede, create an emotional stampede to do it. But what I want, I would personally, I'd like to see the Democrats vote for impeachment, and I'd like to see the Senate go to a full trial. 
That might happen. If this went to a full trial in the Senate, it would be the end of the Democrat Party. It, it just might happen, though, Marshall. Very, it, yeah, it, never know. It might. See, the thing of it is, the Democrats don't want that. If they wanted that, they would have already they would already voted and put articles of impeachment and sent it over to the House. I remember with Clinton and watching, you know, how they did that. Well, let's be honest here. They don't want that. Uh, What they want is they want to be able to have the smear factor. Yes. But but you you mentioned Bill Clinton. They don't want to have to. They don't want to have to. They don't want to have to make good their brags because they can't. But but if it goes to a Senate trial. Right. It will be incredibly, utterly, because in a Senate trial, the president would have the ability to really take them to task. There would be due process. There, you know, they could subpoena information, discovery. There's a lot. He can put on a real defense. The problem, president right now is can't put on a defense. You don't have impeachment has been voted. You don't have a legitimate process. So what they're doing is Pelosi has set up conversation about impeachment, which started the day he came down the elevator. But she has set it up so that they don't have to, the Democrats don't have to go where they don't want it to go. They don't want it to go to a full impeachment hearing in the Senate. They don't want a Senate trial because they're going to get bludgeoned. But what they want is they want to use this impeachment harassment to affect Trump's uh, election numbers. If they felt that they had hard, you know, they had hard evidence, why haven't they just put it up for a vote and sent it to the Senate? Why is it they won't go to a vote? And there's, you know, in other words, the manner in which they're doing it is raising questions. Now, do I think it is because it's just Democrats wanting power and Republicans and whatever. No, because they're Republicans that are joining this food fight like Romney. What a piece of crap he is. Mitt Romney. You see how that guy made his riches. What, what did he Mitt Romney say? Took perfectly good companies and destroyed them and wrecked them and people lost their retirements. That's how he got rich. He's a scumbag. Romney is a real scumbag. I don't know why he got elected. You know, whoever, the people that elected him, man, they must have, everybody must have taken a collective stupid pill. Well, he's tied deep. But, that Romney, he, uh-huh. you know, his family has deep ties. That's the problem. Yeah, they do. They do. In Mexico as and, well. Uh, but he's a globalist. Romney is as much a globalist as Obama or Clinton or the Bushes. Okay. Yeah, they're so all corrupt. They're in both parties. Why do you see that, you know, you have... You know, you you have Republicans are saying I'm not going to run again. You have Democrats are saying I'm not going to run again. They're on both sides of the fence. The the thing is that Trump, with this investigation that it's being unleashed, and they're digging into this stuff and it's really deep. It it cuts across both party lines. All right, and uh, Trump is it's a real disruptor. The whole point of it, and Trump is not his. He's with the Patriots. The thing that people have to understand is it's not a personality cult around Trump. If Trump falls, someone else will pick up the colors and continue the advance. This is our military versus globalists. That's what this is about. It's not Republicans and Democrats. It's our military Patriots, because they're you. 
when I joined the army and I raised my hand, I said, I'm going to defend the Constitution. And we meant it. All right. And what you have are globalists that are trying to turn America into a third world nation. And they're trying to, you know, make us all poor, destroy the country. I mean, if you look at, we have this half the country that says America is garbage. And the other half says, no, it's not. A lot of people and think we're garbage right now. Yeah, most of the world I'm, thinks we are garbage right now, though. Yeah, I mean, uh, you but know, and it's always been that way. With there's us. all of this hate America first stuff. Well, if you want to destroy a country, a lot of haters. You you know you got to have haters, right? And so there has to be a lot. But all of this has been really the reason why they hate Trump so much is he's disrupting their plans. And what he's going to do is the real fight here is not. Who can, who's sitting there controlling whatever in Washington? The real fight is the central bank. It is the central bank is global. It has tentacles everywhere. Central banks are in every country virtually. And it's all fiat crap money. It's worthless. And that's who they're really after. Because the, the adversity, the difficulty that we have in our lives is there. I mean, it's, they can say, yeah, the economy's been better than it's ever been before, but more people, there's more credit card debt than ever before. There's more student debt than ever before. The country's in a hawk up to its ass in debt every which way, because we're sitting there having to borrow fiat currency. So this really, what's happening right now is the patriots, these are people that are, they believe in the constitution. They're true conservatives, and they're looking at the globalists and the, how they came in and what they did. The Obama administration was corrupt. This is what people are going to learn. They're going to see the corruption. They're going to see Clinton's corruption. They're going to see how we were sold out. And all of this was triggered, all of this, in the final analysis. When did this begin? When did the patriots decide enough was enough? And that was when it was, okay, we're going to take you on, was Benghazi. Benghazi is where this all started. And it was after that they just said, okay, we have to do something. Because all Benghazi was, it was one of Hillary Clinton's fast and furious deals that went south. You know, she said it was a YouTube video that got everybody angry. I was like, that's so lame. Where'd they get that? Must have run out of ideas. That's what set it off, and those people died. And for the military, it was like it was your scandal, but it was our people. And that was the that was the line in the sand was Benghazi. And, and, and then after that, Trump was just someone yes. that was recruited, and uh, by who's really controlling things. Uh, Trump was recruited; he's the figurehead. But they could have gotten somebody else, and they're going to be just as tough. Whoever follows in after Trump is going to be just as tough. Interesting take on that. And Marshall, I did want to ask you, you brought up Bill Clinton for a moment here. I just want to get your opinion on his run at president and compare it to Donald Trump. Which one do you think has the best run so far? This is an easy one. Trump. I mean, Trump is... I look at this, the reason why I got into this, I mean, if you guys look at Yow's or whatever, you're going to say, really, you know, when I first started, I was doing some politics and then I just quit doing it. And 
But now I follow it because it's directly related to what's happening with Planet X that's coming and who's in power when it gets here. And that to me is really important. And if I want to compare, for example, Obama to Trump, now there was uh, back around 2000, the EMP commission was formed by Congress and they did an analysis. And uh, in hearings before Congress, it said that if the power grid in the nation failed, nine out of 10 Americans will die. This is our tax dollars at work telling us the truth. And they said it would be about $5 billion to protect the grid from EMP attacks. That's it, $5 billion, the cost of defense. And we wouldn't have to worry about nine out of 10 Americans dying. Well, Obama, that was not the narrative he wanted. And he worked really hard to bury the EMP commission and get it completely eradicated, came close to it. Uh, when Trump came in, he got the EMP commission reestablished with new funding, and he signed an executive order saying we have to get the grid protected. 19, you know, I mean, almost 20 years knowing this information, and only now do we have a president who takes action, okay? And I look at the other things. It's like, yes, you have to have good border security. Uh, you have to do these things. He's doing all the right moves. The bottom line is when Planet X comes, who do we want? Do we want somebody in the White House that's, you know, not trying to help the little guy? Look what everybody's getting a tax advantage. Look, our veterans are getting a fair shake. We can if we have a terminal disease, we can get a drug that we couldn't get before. We'd have to go somewhere else in the world to find it. Trump has done a lot of things. There's a lot of things he's done. He hasn't even been reported or he's gotten credit for. So he's running the country no different than he'd run another corporation. And, and all of a sudden, there's efficiencies and things that are happening. It's just that people don't like him because he's abrasive. All right. I, I don't to me, I don't care if you're abrasive. Trump's a prima donna. But the bottom line is, do you get the job done? That's the bottom line. Do you get the job done? You can talk to talk, but can you walk the walk? Trump walks the walk. Well, that sounds all good and everything, Marshall. But I have to be honest with you. I'm still very much uh, appreciative of Bill Clinton and his run at president uh, and the reason why is because basically he got blown in the Oval Office. I still think that is remarkable and something that will never happen again. And I know that's a bit shocking to hear, but I think when we're comparing who has a good run, I mean, I, you really can't top that. I'm just being honest. I'm just being honest. You know, I mean, it's a, it's a White House BJ. I mean, you can't beat that, Marshall. I mean, who's going to top that? Good Lord. Yeah, you got a point. You got a point. You got a point. I got to give you that one. You got to get That's one Trump can't, can't top. He can't top. He can't Trump that one for sure. No. No. No, I mean, uh, Clinton no one. Did that. Yeah, Clinton, Clinton. You know, Clinton was the one wow. who got China in the WTO and told us all kinds of wonderful good things. And look what we have now. And it was Bush before him that got us into NAFTA. Did you really, and, by, by uh, the way, do you not like George Bush, by the way, J Junior? I didn't like Bush. I didn't like Bush. 
I didn't like either Bush. I didn't like Bush. I didn't like either Bush. I didn't like Clinton. I didn't like Obama. And I didn't like him as president, and I despised him. Obama was likable, but, but his policies— I wasn't going go yeah. to go out and do anything about it. Right, you know, it's like, right. that's it. They won the election. There it is. Huh? I was just saying, Obama, he's a likable guy, but his policies, you know, they were kind of um, nonsense at times, I got to be honest. Well, I remember when um, there was the big controversy about his birth certificate, and he put it on the White House. Right. And I downloaded it. Now, I'm a publisher, so I, I know Acrobat, Adobe Acrobat, really well. And I pulled it up, and I realized that I, I got it off the the site, and it hadn't been flattened. You know, it's uh, a PDF is a layered document, okay? And so the fabrication on the birth certificate was the result of about four layers of information that were used to create a single, what looked like a single document, but it was actually four layers where you had some original stuff, but then there was other things that were fill-ins to make it look good. And I knew immediately it was a fabrication because if it's a layered document, that means it's if it's a scan of an original birth certificate, it's not a layered document. It's a single layer. But if you have fabricated a document, it's going to have multiple layers. And so I saw that his birth certificate had multiple layers. The White House took it down very quickly after that. And then they put up another one where they did flatten the layers and uh, stuck it in a different side. So I don't, you know, personally, I don't, I agree with the Sheriff Joe. I don't think the guy was born in the United States. Well, he is from Kenya. Yeah. Yeah, I I had uh, done an interview with another gentleman by the name of, I'm forgetting his name now. Uh, I, it just slipped my mind. Um, yes, his name is Joel Gilbert, and he made a documentary about Obama. And, of course, he actually went to Kenya and talked to his brother, his yeah. biological brother. And, uh, well, his brother did not put over Obama, and he interviewed Malik Obama. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, mm -hmm. President Obama, he was not very kind to the village or his family in the end. No. Shocking. No. No. I mean, he was, he was a poet. Everybody wanted to fall in love with him. But, no, I didn't, I didn't see somebody I could believe in. And you look at his foreign policy. I mean, my God, sending plane loads of cash to Iran. Now, what did we know? That was a bum deal that we got out of that. I uh, draw a line in the sand, didn't do anything about it. He always, you know, everybody was, it was just, he was the big black hope. And everybody was, oh my gosh, he's going to give us a kumbaya world. He sold out. It was how he got the presidency. And when he got elected, uh, you know, it was feathering his nest. I mean, he wasn't how much money was he worth before he went into office and how much money is he worth now? How did he make $16 million while he was president? You know, it's a lot of money. I kind of wonder. Yeah. I, I do know yeah. that um, Hillary makes a, a ton for a lot of these speeches that she gives. And I'm sure Obama and Michelle are in the same sort of cloth there. Yeah. 
it's how they it's it's actually uh, these these book deals, or you book know, deals. million dollar book deals, and then you know it's like you should be seeing the books everywhere. You don't see them, you know. Uh, a lot of times they just get the royalty, and this is a way that they can get the corruption. They can get paid their graft money is by a book deal. So they use a publisher as a front, pay an outrageous amount for that, and that's that's how they benefit. I mean, the corruption we're going to start seeing coming up is going to shock the country. The corruption, and but also the perversion. The perversion is going to be really sickening. You know, it's like Hillary Clinton is going, oh, you're going to see a woman doing a terrible thing, and it's going to be a dark web fake video. See, she's foreshadowing, all right? She's trying to position herself because when all of a sudden these videos come out, because they have video, they videotape, because Epstein, and the whole point, he was blackmailer us, that he was a blackmailer. And that's how the deep state works with political control. All right. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, it's uh, one of the the chief justices of the Supreme Court, Roberts, uh, when he flip flopped on Obamacare and other things there, you know, he flip flopped on that and then disappeared for two weeks, went on vacation. Curious things like that, that, uh, you know, they're going, eh, this guy's compromised. They got some dirt on him. He did something and they got dirt on him. He doesn't want it to come out. And they're going to drop the hammer on him. And there's all this ugliness, but we're going to see what they, the, they have videos of what they did to women and children that are grotesque. I mean, this is ritual sacrifice of human beings for Satan worship. It's interesting you say that because, of course, we did see what went on with Jeffrey Epstein and, of course, all the botched work that went on there. Completely embarrassing, in my opinion, the way all of this was handled, the way the cameras just suddenly went down and weren't working. And, of course, the guards fell asleep and all of a sudden he's gone. Yeah, and uh, the autopsy. and There you go. You know, it was... But what's, you know, in my mind, what's uh, Epstein was worth more to the government dead than alive. Did you know that this was a suicide proof? This was a suicide proof. uh, This was a suicide proof room, by the way, Marshall. Pardon? I said this was a suicided proof room. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, he suicided, you know, like people that stab themselves in the back 18 times and throw themselves off a 30 foot building. (laughs) Yes. You know, you know, that's that kind of suiciding. And um, they do it. But the thing about Epstein was, I think they allowed Epstein to go into that facility knowing the deep state could get to him there. It would be a facility that at face value would have the sufficient security that the prisoner would be safe. But they probably knew that, you know, there were a lot of deep plants there and that they'd get to them. And so my thinking is one of two things happened. One is they got to him and he's dead. Or uh, this was a cover-up and he's probably had, you know, he's recovering from facial surgery uh, for you know, cosmetic surgery, and uh, you know he's going to wind up 
running a falafel stand in <laughs> Syria or something. Yes. Uh, you know, but he'll get to live. But either way, is if he's officially dead, and he is officially dead, his attorneys cannot block new evidence coming into the court because the Epstein trial has a lot of co-defendants and co-conspirators. Right. So they can continue the investigation. And now that Epstein's dead, there's absolutely nothing the deep state can do to prevent information becoming submitted legally to the court in binding. And Marshall, when you said there are there are videotapes of these sort of things going on, allegedly, um, you know, you might be right about that, because like 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 we we're just talking about now with Jeffrey Epstein, look at this guy. Look at the way he had all this power and allegedly he was blackmailing all these people. And of course, we do have Prince Andrew, who was tied with one Jeffrey Epstein, who, for those that don't know, still remains uninvestigated by the London police. I mean, give me a break. Isn't that ridiculous, Marshall? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, you know, I mean, there's it's a bifurcated justice system. And for us, you know, justice is swift and hard. And for them, it's nowhere to be found. And, uh, you know, they get a, these high elites. They really get 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 away with murder. They get away with literally get away with murder. And uh, so we're, we're going to see. Uh, the horrific scams. I think the one thing that's going to be most interesting is Flynn. Uh, the there, I think Flynn is because the FBI is not providing the information the judge has ordered, and so uh, uh, Flynn's new attorney, what's her name? Um, boy, she's a tough gal. I like her. She's she's amazing. His attorney. And uh, she's going to get just the whole case dismissed. Well, if Flynn gets a walk because the case gets dismissed, the reason why the deep state wanted to put Flynn in prison is to shut him up because he knows where all the bones are buried. Well, if he gets a free walk, now he can go testify. And if Flynn gets a walk, I bet it's not going to be that far before Lindsey Graham says, Hey, come on over to the Senate. We'll have Chick-fil-A. You know? <laughs> uh, by the way, someone in the chat room, Gang of Four, says, where is Maxwell? Maxwell. God, who knows? Who knows where she is? I believe he's referring to Ghislaine Maxwell, who seems to be hiding somewhere. Uh, you're going to have a lot more hiding somewhere. You're going to have a lot of people starting to hide. You're going to have a lot. You're going to see a lot of people heading to India. And this other is, countries that have non-extradition treaties. This is pretty bad. Um, yeah. Especially when, now, the, gonna, especially when the mainstream yeah. media just goes completely dark, no pun intended, Marshall, with Jeffrey Epstein and all the coverage that should be uh, on him. That should be the focus point. But, of course, it's not going to be. That's not the way it, run, it works or runs in America. Not at all. No. I mean, if we look at this and – Trump and the Patriots prevail. I think there's two things that they could do that would make this country ever so much better. The first thing would be all of the uh, the FCC used to have wonderful anti-concentration 
loss that prevented, you know, one company from owning a whole bunch of media outlets. They could own a few, but they couldn't, you know, not where they're having hundreds of them. Um, I'd like to see where they break it up so you can't have five corporations that control all of the media because we see where that gets us. When I was at CNN in the 80s, at that time, there was a lot of competition in the news business, and they were up against about, excuse me, 50 other media outlets. And so it wasn't about saying, what's the 4 a.m. talking points? Uh, it was about going out and doing investigative journalism and finding that big story to pull the numbers. Uh, they don't do that anymore. So I'd like to see where you can't have concentration. I want to see everything broken up again. Yeah, that'll be hard. The Republicans, because they're not going to, the Republicans are the ones that pretty much got rid of the concentration, anti-concentration laws. Uh, that's the reason why, you know, you can hear Rush Limbaugh from coast to coast if you're a truck driver. You just, you don't keep tuning your radio as you pass through new towns. Uh, but the other thing is for Washington, for them to disembowel Washington, where agencies are sent to other states. Period. So they would take, you know, literally Washington would be gutted. Half of half of the bureaucracies are shipped elsewhere in the country. And they do that. Then you don't have this deep state cabal that's being controlled by a certain group. Uh, it's diversified. You can't do that. And I think it'll be better for the country if uh, they gut out Washington after they clean the swamp and get them out there. Amazing. But, you know, on the other hand, I also say, hey, it ain't over till the fat lady sings. <laughs> yes. We, you know, the the globalist could still, you know, we don't know who's going to win this thing. That's right. It's not over. We don't know in, who's going to win this thing. It's not over until Adele sings for sure. Actually, she's a little That's bit skinnier. It. My mistake. She lost weight. Uh, inappropriate comment there. Um, but yes, Marshall, I do want to thank you so much for being a part of the program. And before I do let you go, I did want to get your opinion on the former mayor of America, Rudy Giuliani. It, you know, to be honest with you, I've never liked him. I was never a fan. Never. I mean, ever since, um, 9-11, I was never a fan of the one former mayor of America, Rudy Giuliani. I have to say, I'm kind of, um, in a way, I'm kind of glad to see him face a little bit of heat for what he might have or might not have been involved with on the morning of 9-11. I'll just leave it at that, Marshall. But your thoughts and your reactions to some of the mess that perhaps Giuliani is in, Marshall. Go ahead. Well, Giuliani uh, foreshadowed all of this right, you know, weeks ago. And he said, what you're going to hear is they're going to take my, take me apart and they're going to have all kinds of stuff. They're going to attack me because you got to kill the messenger. Um, you know, Rudy Giuliani and Trump are, they're both characters. All right. Right. Um, they're both rogues, but the question is, you know, who are they helping? All right. Giuliani don't, you know, there's things about him that bother me too, but sure. when he was married, the city ran well, he cleaned up a hell of a mess and he is, he loves going after nasty people. I remember following Rudy when he was a prosecutor 
he was really something else, the way he went after organized crime. I've seen clips, yeah. He took him down. So I think with this, there's I can see why people don't like Trump or they don't like him because there's so much politics, you know, there's so much personal destruction politics going on here. And so they're going after him. I don't, I just, you know, to me, that's noise. That's magicians have something they call patterns, the jokes, animals flying, pretty girls in skimpy costumes, interesting stories, whatever. That's all part of the pattern. And the whole point of the pattern is to distract you from the sleight of hand. So you can't see what they're doing. And so uh, when I'm looking at the the folks that are up against Trump, I see patter. If they had bona fide hard evidence, they would have, man, the, art, the impeachment would have been, we'd already be in a Senate trial. They've always got something that's going to take them down. They've always got something that's going to take Giuliani down. They always got something that's going to take these guys down, and then it just doesn't do that. They milk it for as much as they can, then they go to the next propaganda scam. It all comes down to facts and law. Once all the happy bullshit right. comes to a screeching show, screeching halt. Once the happy bullshit comes to a screeching halt, it comes down to a very quiet decision of fact and law. And on fact and law, Trump and the Patriots have the facts and they have the law. And everybody else has a lot of noise and a lot of patter and a lot of distraction. We've had it now going almost for three years. You know, if they'd have found something, they'd have gotten. But the point is the Patriots would have never asked Trump to run. And they would have never hitched their wagon to him as a star if they knew that he could be blackmailed and compromised. Say what you like about Trump. He understands not to get sucked up in the things that can, he's not going to, you know, he's not going to have things that they can drop on him. And so they have to turn mountains into molehills. All right. Yes. And I don't disagree with you on that. And, you know, and it's, and it's all nonsense. So I'm still, I'm looking at the show for me. It's real simple. We're going to see one of two things. We're going to see perp walks and orange jumpsuits and real justice or Trump kicking rocks down the road. And that's it. If Trump doesn't, um, if they don't come out, and they start the arrests and they start hitting them and hitting them hard. Doesn't, you know, as long as it's in the realm of propaganda and emotion, people are, they can be stampeded. Remember that great line from Men in Black a person is smart and intelligent. People are dumb, panicky apples, animals. All right. I agree. And that's what they're trying to do create a dumb, panicky response. And, but in the final analysis, if they're going to do, yeah, an impeachment is a political process, but at the end of the day, it still has to be due process. Amazing. And Marshall, I wish the best for the Trump administration, and hopefully they get past this sort of obstacle, as well as Giuliani, even though I have my own personal feelings towards him, even though he does look pretty good in that purple dress that he wore uh, many, many moons ago. Definitely look good as a blonde. 
Yeah, you know, <laughs> I've never been, you know, I, I've, I've, Rudy is. He's a character. He's a New Yorker. I like You know, him. he's a, he's a New Yorker. I, I got to like him a and little if bit. You, you know, <laughs> if you came from the culture, it would probably be a different thing. Yeah, I, you know, I like it both is. of these guys at the end of the day, you know, I, I can't hate yeah. them or anything. They do bring me humor yeah. at least. And I, and I don't disagree with everything that they're about. That's for sure. No doubt. Yeah. And Marshall, again, but Giuliani go has ahead. got the bit in his mouth. He's got the bit in his mouth and he is going to go down. He's going to take some nasty people. Well, I hope he does down. take somebody down. He's going to take them to the, he's going to take them down. And if there's, that's, that's his thing. It's what he loves to do. It's his thing. Well, I like that. And, yes. Um, yeah. I, I'd so like, we'll see what happens. Right. Trump and Giuliani. <laughs> yeah. They're prima donnas. If you want to say they're a son of a bitch, call them a son of a bitch. But I'll say one thing. They're our son of a bitch. That's true. They're on our side, though. Yeah. Yeah. So in the final analysis, you know what really matters? Results. True. Results. I, for one, am really sick of endless wars. I'm tired of seeing our beautiful, wonderful warriors, men and women, coming home either in body bags or wheelchairs. And for what? Pointless no win wars. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of seeing people in the Midwest. You know, I, I had a woman who visited me and, you know, we started talking about politics and, oh my God, she's a progressive and started ripping Trump a new asshole. Uh oh, oh yes. she just was going on. <laughs> she was going on. Finally, I looked at her and I said, you know, I know why you hate Trump. She said, why? I said, because you didn't live in a one factory town in the Midwest and watched him take your jobs, your life, and your hope, and send it to China or India, and you wound up with nothing. Amazing. But food stamps and drug dealers. And if you had done that, you wouldn't. You would like Trump, but that never. You never got hurt that way. So you hate Trump and you hate everybody that got hurt, but you didn't. And you know what she said? Nothing. She couldn't answer me. All right. I bet. And that's it. If you saw people getting hurt by what the globalists have done, you saw their children coming home from these endless wars, a complete wreck, PTSD, all of this grief and nonsense. It was nothing, you know, where, where's the win? Where's the win? No win. So, you know what? If a cocky son of a bitch, a couple of cocky sons of bitches from New York changed that, I'm good to go. Yeah, I don't have too many complaints. Yeah. I guess you're right. Yeah. Yeah, but I still got to get you out of hell, son. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, I know, right? Lord, I'm going to die out here. But Marshall, once nah. again, <laughs> once again, Marshall, thank you so much for being a part of the program. It is always an honor and pleasure and so much fun to talk to you every time we do this. I hope you had fun, Marshall. I do. I do. I love your show. Oh, everyone loves you here, too. Once again, Marshall, thank you so much, and we'll do this again on the other side. You got it. All right, brother. Take care. You too. Good night. Cheers. And there he goes, ladies and gentlemen. That was the one and only Mr. Marshall Masters, and there he goes into the dark. For those that don't know, he has been affected by the blackout that is going down here in California, ladies and gentlemen, but he is okay. And don't worry, I'm fine. I'm far away from the fires and all the blackouts, all that nonsense. I'm safe, I promise. But when we return, we might not be that safe. We will be joined by Mr. Mike Rogers in a moment. He 
has a few words to tell us. That should be interesting. Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned. Is this a human talking? Because you sound like a robot. I am. I'm kind of like a robot. I, I'm not. I wouldn't be mad if you sounded like a robot. I would think that was incredible. And welcome back, boys and girls. Here we are again for the second half of the program. And of course, I am joined by yet another soul, Mr. Mike Rogers. Let's bring him in here. Let's unmute Mr. Mike Rogers, who has been patiently waiting. Mr. Mike Rogers, what's going on, my friend? Hey, how you doing? I'm good, man. I'm Just, fine. I'm glad you're here. We had a bit of an issue with Skype. I wasn't able to find you. You weren't able to find me. I don't know what just yeah. happened there, Mike. <laughs> well, I don't sound as good on uh, on the phone, but hey, <laughs> whatever. Uh, you sound great to me, Mike. Don't worry. I sound great to me, too, but I'm not uh, listening. <laughs> right on, my friend. I'm so glad you're here. And, Mike, I, I had to bring you back on here for a, a bit of an update of sorts. I did get a chance to talk to Dr. Michael Shermer, and I know you heard that interview. And in your email yeah. to me, you were not happy at all. Go ahead and explain yourself, Mike. Well, it's just that he goes on and on. I mean, I've, I've listened to all of Michael Shermer's stuff right you know, over, over the last, you know, year or two. Yeah. I'm very familiar with, with his uh, beliefs and everything. And, and as far as the Walton experience is concerned, uh, he just has a very two dimensional concept about it. And of course, I know that skeptics are just as biased as believers. Sure. Uh, they prove that in every way they can. Uh, but you know, he just doesn't take in the wider scope of the thing. You know, he keeps saying, uh, uh, Travis just made the whole thing up. But of course, that doesn't explain the witnesses. That doesn't explain the rest of us. Uh, you know, uh, why doesn't he try taking a stab at that? You know, <laughs> it's a good question. It's a great question. And of course, I will have to email him and tell him that he's caused a bit of a, a riff here in the ufology yeah. community, really. He's managed to, um, uh, for the lack of a better word, he's managed to piss off a lot of people out there, especially in yeah, ufology. Just, he has. <laughs> just with that one interview, uh, lots of people very heated with Dr. Michael Shermer, no doubt. Yeah. Well, you know, for a long time, people were kind of downing me, thinking I was a skeptic. And not realizing that all I'm doing as far as the Phoenix lights are concerned is just bringing reality to bear on it because I am a realist. And, uh, <laughs> that's what, that's all I was doing. And I, I don't say it wasn't extraterrestrial. I say it, it might not have been extraterrestrial, but you know, the wind alignment, you know, really says a lot and it doesn't, it, it kind of distracts from the idea of it being of extraterrestrial origin, at least the you know first event we're talking about here. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't. But I don't say that that's the way it was. It could have been extraterrestrial. And a few people are coming around to that. You know. You know, I'm not a bad guy. I'm not a skeptic. <laughs> and uh, so that's the way it is. And you know, Michael Shermer, he just attacks it with uh, such seeming uh, single-mindedness. You know, like. There aren't any UFOs, so therefore Travis Walton was just making it all up. <laughs> Amazing. Yes, he is very much not on board with any of this. And matter of fact, I wanted to play that clip right now for those that did not hear what he had to say about Travis. It's only about a minute long. Uh, yeah, that very audio good. clip. Yeah. Is that okay with you? You bet. All right. I'm going to play it right now. Hang tight. 
have interviewed a man by the name of Mike Rogers multiple times. That's and he, you. of course, was the driver and witness to the Travis Walton abduction. My and God. They also made the film A Fire in the Sky based on this sort of event. I'm sure you've seen the film or heard of it. Yeah. I sound like an idiot right, right there, right there, my friend. <laughs> okay. I'm glad you're still there, Mike. I was just making sure you're on the line. Yeah. Okay, good. Good. Well, it sounds like you're talking to somebody else right now. (laughs) All right, hold on. Uh, A number of times, yes. Yeah, I I met Travis Walton. He came to my office actually one day for filming for a TV show. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and I was on another set with him where it was one of these reality shows on on the lie detector. Mm. So one of the episodes was they gave him a lie detector. Uh, and he volunteered to do it. He thought he'd pass. And at the end of the show, he ended up failing. Wow. Uh, yeah. I'm going to have to. I think, I think he made it up. I think he, this is what we think the UFO people think. I mean, UFO skeptics think he, you know, he was late to finish his job and he just concocted the story. And it was probably not meant to be a big public thing. It was probably just, you know, just to get out of his job problem he was having and but then it, it became it took off and then he had to live live the lie i mean that uh, you to call him a liar i don't know for sure but that's what i think he asked me my opinion I, and that's what dr michael Shermer had to say yeah yep and he went on and on about uh, travis making it all up he didn't he he wouldn't leave it alone there for a while but you know i have two comments about that yeah go ahead one <laughs> one that lie detector test that that he is referring to there was on a program, uh, a TV program, and all the lie detector tests, when it came to the important person, because if they passed the test, they would win a half a million dollars. And that program did not want those specific people to pass their test. That was the whole purpose of the thing. They would make up their mind, and uh, the lie detector examiner was not legitimate. Uh, he was just for the purpose of that show, and he was biased towards the purpose of the show, which was not to give away their million or half million dollars, and that's what it was. Now, Travis went and uh, and uh, got an attorney, and uh, he, he then set about uh, writing to the uh, producers of that show, and within a short amount of time, they quit doing that show. That particular episode was only aired in a one country in Europe, as far as I understand, never aired in the United States. So where Mike, where Michael Shermer got that, I don't know, because it didn't air here in the States. That's interesting. Uh, I was going to ask you if you knew exactly what he was referring to when he said yeah, the thing about the lie detector right. test. So you do know. Yeah, I, okay. I do know who it was, and I know what it was, and <laughs> that's the end result. Now, the other thing is, uh, Michael Shermer is not explaining there how the heck it is Travis passed all the lie detector tests before that. Ah, yes. By various different, you know, examiners. And one of them is considered to be the best in the world. The one that has, has examined me twice, and Alan Dallas, who originally had an had a, uh, inconclusive result, and then Travis in, 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 19, in 1993, which happened to be just exactly, almost exactly one month before the uh, movie Fire in the Sky actually hit the screen. And, you know, a Paramount contacted me. <laughs> really? They did not want us to do that. It was my idea. Uh, it was based on uh, a challenge by Jerry Black, who was a skeptic, and uh, I finally accepted it. And when I went to Travis with it, he said, oh, man. You know, that's who knows what the guy's going to do, the examiner. I said, well, it's going to be Cy Gilson. 
uh, he, he is nothing but fair. He, you know, he doesn't even believe in UFOs, you know, which makes him a perfect examiner because he will be, you know, an unbiased result right across the board. And he, and he has a computer, uh, he, he does both a personal and a computer analyzed analysis of the, uh, of the, of the, uh, polygraph test. And, uh, Travis passed that in flying colors, so did I. And of course, after that happened, uh, Paramount <laughs> gave a, a huge hurrah, you know, <laughs> they were afraid they were going to lose all their millions and millions of dollars, you know, because that actually occurred a month before the movie was to hit the screen. Oh, wow. And, uh, so that, how does Michael Shermer undo that particular lie detector test? In fact, all the others before, because uh, this this program in which he supposedly flunked a lie detector test, which was a complete put on, as a lot of these uh, TV shows are, you know, where a person is supposed to win a bunch of money, they don't want to pay that money. And they usually set up, it's been proven in the past that, that these shows will actually arrange for the winner. And I don't know what happens after that, but it's been proven that they will on, on occasion actually set I set it up that way. So, you know, which way do you look at it? Now if you're a skeptic and you just decide, well, you know, UFOs don't exist, then that's what's gonna happen. Michael Shermer is gonna give that no matter what, no matter how positive things are. That's his approach and that's what a skeptic is. You see, I'm a realist. In fact I've got a, a, a new show starting that I'm hosting myself starting next Friday evening, uh at ten a ten AM uh Eastern and uh, 8 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. And that show is called The Realist. Uh, oh, so, you, so you got a name for it already. And, uh, okay. Say that? I said, so you do yeah. have a name for it. I do what? I, I'm I'm just saying you do have a name for your, your show you're going to do. Oh, yeah. The Realist. Realist. Okay. Yeah. KGRA. Yeah. And uh, I was supposed to do a show last night on KGRA. Oh, okay. With Don Eckers. But uh, he called in. To, on te- cell phone telling the producer in New York, uh, Bill Skywatcher, who, uh, who then contacted me saying, uh, Don Eckers isn't even going to be doing his show and he hasn't for the last week or two, uh, because of fire issues over there in California. Ah, oh, that's right. They apparently had a, they apparently had a, a, a power outage. Yes. And, uh, we're just talking really about that. Shut him down. And so that show last night didn't happen. Yeah. And, I, uh, I forgot he was out in California. But, yeah, so I don't know what's going on over there in California. I don't really keep up with the news. I I try to kind of avoid that negativity. You know, <laughs> I don't blame you. Uh, I don't blame you. It's uh, yeah. Anyway, my show will be happening next uh, Friday night, at eight a.m. Mountain Standard Time. I think that's what your time is in California. Am I right? Right. Because right now it's ten forty-three here. Well, what nine. Time are you nine forty-three here? Oh, really? Yes. Oh, wait. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. I, I misread. I looked at the wrong clock. I've got several clocks on the wall here. The various time as, as zones. And, and our time is 943. So we are the same time as you. Yeah, definitely. And uh, when exactly is this going down? The show? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be on KGRA, which you can get over any kind of, inter, you know, digital whatever. Uh, they have main studios in uh, Salt Lake. And, and in New York City, and uh, they do like Bill Rogan, you know, and uh, uh, Jimmy Church, all those guys. And now I'm going to be on there too uh, on Fridays. 
On okay, so it's going to be on nice Fridays. Prime time spot. Okay, Friday nights only. Yeah, for me, it's a two-hour show. Nice. I've got several guests lined up for the next several weeks. The first show, they want me to do pretty much a explanation of the show and and run through it. And yeah. uh, I don't know. <laughs> it sounds like I'll be bragging on myself in a way, uh, you know, by myself because I'm used to people asking me questions uh, or asking questions. Uh, but uh, I'll be on it by myself. Apparently, that's what they want me to do. So I'm going to do that. Yeah, you invited <laughs> me to be on with you in the first episode, but they wanted you to do a sort of introduction episode. Yes. Right? Yeah, I asked you to be on and uh, I asked Alan uh, B. Smith to be on, uh, you know, like at different times. But, uh, yeah, they just want me on there by myself. So, you know, I got to wing it along. <laughs> yeah, that's that would be good for the very first episode for people to know what the show's about and what you're about, Mike. Yeah, well, I've, I've got to give a history uh, kind of, you know, I guess. A t- two hours seems like way too much time to, a long to do time. all that. That's or a to long... do that little bit, I should say. Yeah. Two hours that's, is that's, long, that's man. That's what they want. Say that? I said two hours is pretty long. Yeah, it is. Uh, and uh, they don't do like some of these radio places where they uh, have uh, commercials every 15 minutes, yeah. which ends up being about 11 minutes of actual time, you know, per one quarter hour. And you end up with about 45 minutes altogether. But this is a, a two-hour show with only commercials at the top and the bottom of the hour. So uh, <laughs> that's the way it's going to be. Are, are you prepared I mean, for Two hours that way is an awful long time. Yeah, it sure mm-hmm. is when you're on there by yourself. Right. You're just going to have to keep on talking, you know. Mike, are you prepared to do this? I mean, it's not going to be that easy. No. Uh, well, you know, I'm fully loudmouth qualified, <laughs> as you know. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I got to put together a whole bunch of material. I guess I'm going to go into, because, uh, you know, explaining what the show is and the purpose of it is only going to take like 10 minutes if I drag it out. So what am I going to do to fill the rest of that time? Well, uh, you know, I can talk about the Walton event. And, of course, I'm going to talk about the Phoenix Lights. And, and I'll go through my own personal history, probably from my birth on. I mean, there's a lot of time there to fill, so I'm going to have to do all that. I guess I can, you know. You're going to have to talk about everything, every little detail, where you went to school, where Travis is at right now. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I I had a conversation with Travis for like four hours uh, night before last. Mm -hmm. Uh, We went to a birthday party for his daughter, Celeste, and her husband, Roy, who happened to be uh, born uh, four days and four years apart, which is really rather remarkable. But, it is. Uh, they have a birthday together. They had one together, and wow. all the greater family, you know, was there. And uh, Travis and I sat there and chatted for, oh, like I say, four hours. But, uh, you know, we've had an awful lot of conversation, and, and he uh, he doesn't really like Skype uh, because he's uh, he says it confuses him. It's too confusing. Well, it's kind of, it's kind of confusing to me. It was kind of confusing <laughs> to both of us a while ago. Right. It was. <laughs> and I, here I am ending up talking on the phone, even though I got one of these really good uh, mics. <laughs> so you sound way, way better than I do right now. Uh, but you know, I've got a good microphone. So on my own program, I'll sound pretty good. You'll Not sound as good. good. As you. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know. Some people like my voice, some people don't. Some people think I'm using all sorts of different processing effects. Uh, I think those people are retarded, but that's just my opinion. Yeah. 
Well, you know, when you use a really good broadcast microphone, like you do, and like I will, uh, you pick up all the little nuances That's of true. sound. Everything's there. Yeah. It doesn't sound at all like you're over the phone. You know? Not at all. It yeah. sounds like you're talking in person. Right. And for and, some uh, people, that's maybe just too much. Maybe there's a little bit of enhancement in there. I don't know, but it doesn't seem to be really. Well, not not really. I mean, can you imagine what I'd sound if I had more enhancements? Oh, wow. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> My point. You could sound like God. <laughs> the voice of God. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt about it. And Mike, of course, this is going to be a two-hour program, and you have your guests uh, ready for action. And I'm wondering if you're going to be talking about ufology in general instead of just perhaps talking about uh, the well, Travis Walton incident and, of course, the Phoenix Lights incident. Are you going to be well, expanding that's, that's, your horizon? Yeah, that's just the first. That's just the first episode, the first uh, show. Right. Uh, after that. What the actual specific uh, format for it is is simply, uh, it, they say it, it's like an announcer's thing at first. Uh, it's a believing realist approach to all things paranormal. And uh, that means exactly that. I'm a believing realist. I, uh, I, I only believe in a few things, actually. You know, like, like the Travis Walton incident right. and like the Zimbabwe Incident, you know, a few years back, mm -hmm. that, that incident really happened. And there's a lot of other other things that have happened, experiences, you know, events that are very hard to say anything about anything, you know. And I'm not a skeptic. I'm not a Michael Shermer. You know? <laughs> I'm not a Tony Ortega. You know, I, I'm not going on the basis that everything's just bullshit like they do, you know. I'm definitely more open-minded. In fact, I try to be completely unbiased. Well, Mike, and, uh, we, I mean, Mike, we, we could both say a lot of it is kind of bullshit, though, right? A good, a good well, amount yeah. of these I stories. Mean, if you really come down to it, there are a few things that I just find it very, very hard to believe in. I'm with uh, you on that, there's though. There's a lot of it that's kind of like, you know, you don't really know one way or the other. And there's right. a lot of things that you, you say, yeah, that pretty much sounds to be real. Uh, and that's the way it goes. And that's what I'm going to be doing. I'm with you on that one. And of course, you mentioned the Zimbabwe case. That's one of the cases that I always found to be pretty legitimate, in my opinion. I haven't really been able to completely yeah, it's debunk it. Yeah, extremely credible. Uh, yeah. It's I mean, every bit as credible as Travis Walton. <laughs> well, see, that's where people you know, draw the line. I'm Go ahead. I was just going to say, well, that's where some people draw the line. Um, I'm sure Michael Shermer yeah. would probably shoot holes through the whole Zimbabwe case as well, but... Well, I'm sure people, he does. He's uh, got yeah, to. I'm sure he does. He's a skeptic. He gets paid. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Well, he he's the owner of, or co-owner of Skeptic Magazine, and he's got this e-skeptic on the net and all that. And he's you know he's written lots of books and stuff. But he is a skeptic, and that's just the way it is. And that's why I say skeptics are just as biased as these eager believers. You know, because there's all kinds of people out there. There's some people, uh, some of them are my friends. Uh, in fact, I actually have some friends who are skeptics, but I have friends who just believe anything. It's got the word UFO in it. Why, God, it really happened. They believe That's it. That's all there is to it. No more talk, no more to talk about. That's just the way it is. And I say, what's wrong with you guys? Come on. <laughs> well, you find a lot of those people. a little bit critical you, here. You do find a lot of those individuals that... Um, listen to shows like mine or other shows that are kind of like mine, but a lot of those shows, they don't really question anything. They kind of just go with the flow. Yeah, that's right. And uh, there's a lot of them like that. And they do that because uh, 
Well, it's it's kind of their particular format, you know. But it and is. I understand. I that. mean, it is catered to a certain demographic of people that don't really have the whole concept or notion of the scientific method anywhere near them. Uh, lots of these people believe everything and anything. They're completely gullible. Yes, they some do. of them, and that's <laughs> that's kind of where I draw the line. I don't want my show to be like everyone else's show. I don't I don't like yeah. everyone else's show, to be honest with you. Yeah. I can't stand a lot of other shows out there. Yeah. Well, I know you're that way, and that's exactly what uh, drew me to your show originally, because on Coast to Coast, I oh, heard boy. an advertisement, just the end of it, and it was for your show. I don't know if it was an advertisement or a, uh, just him talking about I, it. I've been on there. I yeah. remember the words him saying, you know, somebody said, uh, the uh, Michael Deacon show, Michael Deacon program, you call it, is is a show where people tell the truth until it hurts. That's right. We tell the truth and, here, uh, no matter how bad it hurts. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. And that's I heard that, and so by gosh, I looked you up on the net, and there you were, and so I contacted you, and that's why. I'm glad you said that. And there's many people out there behind the scenes at Premier and uh, Coast to Coast AM who try hard not to let the name be known at all. Uh, I wasn't even supposed yeah. to be on the show, to be honest with you. They try to hold me back. Well, not just them, lots of other people too, but they had their own personal biasness yeah. uh, against me. Yeah. And we'll just leave well, it at that. Well, you see, there you're <laughs> talking about a whole thing, and I've already ran into that, you know, being on KGRA, or, or not yet, but coming. I've been on, on KGRA several times, in fact, a dozen times in the last few months, and I've been on your show, you know, five or six times, but... uh and on other shows. Right. And I've, I've found it's already starting to hit me that among the host people, okay, there is bias. And, and they, they're in competition with each other. A lot of them are. And yeah. Not all of them, but some of them are. And uh, that's kind of weird, too, because, come on, you know, let's uh, get real yeah. here. I don't want to be involved <laughs> in that sort of thing. But, yeah, I'm with you on that one. There are those that think they're in some sort of competition with one another. Well, they are. They are, they are kind of. Uh, and too many of those shows are too much alike. Too much alike, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, there are shows uh, on KGRA, like yours. I mean, you're not on KGRA, but like your show. Uh, people like uh, uh, Don Eckers, who uh, kind of, even though he's a paranormal kind of show, he, he doesn't just buy it all, you know. He's kind of forward about things, and uh, and I like that, and that's why I was going to be on his show until the fires in California. Yeah, <laughs> but bummer. Uh, yeah. Anyway, you know, there, like I say, there's all kinds of people there, but there's definite bias there, and some people just feel like they they've got to put somebody else down so that they're pumped up, you know, and uh, that's just wrong. It is. Yeah, and, and another thing is a lot of these individuals out there, the ones who are completely gullible, they are the first ones to tell you how open-minded they are, which is not true whatsoever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you, you yes, see a lot of that. Right. In, yeah, I... <laughs> <laughs> you see a lot of that in these circles for some reason, and I get, I get a lot of heat with some of those people. I get heat from uh, different groups of fans out there, or fan, they're not fans of mine; they're fans of other shows. And I could just tell they are just, they're just, uh, they're complete marks for these shows. They're completely gullible. They buy into everything this person says and they, they buy into everything anyone says. And 
it, it's completely ridiculous. Yeah. I'm not even quite sure how they survived as long as they did in this life, uh, living that sort of way. Oh, yeah. Well, that's what I think about life in general. You know, today, the, people are always saying, what's wrong with people these days? It didn't used to be that way. Well, they're right. Because even 50 years ago, certainly 100 years ago, people couldn't be biased. If they were biased about anything, they would lose their ability to eat. They would lose their home. Uh, they would die, literally. Because if you don't, if you, if you act with bias, uh you're going to die. You're certainly going to starve, you know. And uh, But now nobody is pressured with that so much. Yeah, everybody knows that if you stand in front of a Mack truck, it's going to hit you and kill you. So they don't try that, or at least not very many do. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, that's what's wrong. People act like, what in the world is wrong with people today? Well, it's biased. It's because they can be biased today when before, years ago, you couldn't be. And the reality is the pressure, you know, the pressures of reality are going to squeeze on you when when reality is actually there. But today, reality isn't there. People can just scoot along through life. They can think anything they want. and It's not going to whack them down. You know, maybe they'll run into somebody with a different opinion. But, you know, that's no big deal. <laughs> uh, Mike, do you think this is a direct result from, I guess you could say, your friends in television, having that being such a, I guess, major influence for some individuals out there that basically rely on input of others to justify their actions. Do you think that's what it is, Mike? That's part of it. That's a big part of it. In fact, if you want, to, want me to give you an example. Sure. Fire in the Sky is a very good example of that. You know, uh, Tracy Torme wrote the screenplay for that. And he completely deviated from our book, uh, The Walton Experience. They even used that book uh, to formulate basically the, the, the story for the, the movie. But, you know, in the final analysis, and, and Travis is kind of hard-pressed because he's contracted with Paramount, and he's kind of required to be a nice guy. Now, he's kind of getting away from that. He's starting to tell more of the truth about it because Paramount hasn't come down on him. And uh, but but I... I, I was I was contracted by Paramount to do a, a, a year-long promotional tour all over the world uh, for Paramount uh, promoting Fire in the Sky. But that's where my contract ended. My contract ended and it was over with. And then uh, uh, even, even during that time, I, I told the truth about it. And I know that uh, some of those shows where I said exactly what I thought, they just snipped it out. You know, they edited it out. And uh, so they don't hear that. And that's done, too. You know, I, I can't believe that stuff goes on. Uh, they they uh, deliberately train attention towards one particular aspect. If they're believers, they're going to they're going to eliminate whatever is not perfectly along with their particular beliefs. And you know that's not right. That is not right at all. And how is Travis doing, by the way? Oh, he's doing pretty good. Uh he is, is beginning to get a little bit forgetful. There's been a number of shows he was supposed to appear on, and he just simply forgot, literally. And, and so he was a no-show, or he came on late. Uh, and he's admitted to me, like the other night, he, he said that Skype uh, is, is just confusing to him. He's a real smart guy. You know, if he's plenty of rest and everything, he's just sharp as a whip. But if he's been uh, lacking sleep, which happens a lot to him lately because he, he tours all over the place, 
And, uh, it, you know, he gets pressured by so many people and, and trips like that are, are you know, tiring for obvious reasons. You know, jet lag alone is a terrible thing. I've, I've done that a lot. <laughs> I've been all over the place. But, uh, you know, it's so tiring and, and it's beginning to wear on him because he hasn't let up in a long time. And, uh, and I can see it affecting him. He's talked to so many people and there's so many names and everything to remember. Once in a while he catches, he just can't remember a particular name and it really bothers him. Uh, that happens to me too. Not quite as often, but then I'm not under so much pressure either. Yeah, I can now, imagine. Maybe I will start forgetting when I do. Maybe soon. under pressure. <laughs> uh, but I don't think I'll I'll feel pressure. I, I think I'll just have fun. So when we bring Travis Walton in into the discussion here, are we going to have to call him, Mike? Uh, I don't know if he's available or not. You mean right now? Oh, I mean, not right now, but I mean, uh, for our interview with him. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, here uh, on November 2nd, right. we're supposed to be on your show. Yeah. Travis and I and uh, Jennifer Stein, who Jennifer Stein is the producer of this newest movie uh, called Travis. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm certainly going to make every effort to make sure he doesn't forget that show. Uh, of course, Jennifer Stein and I can carry on if he should forget. But I don't think that's going to happen. I'm pretty sure he's going to come on. And uh, we have another uh, commemoration show, which would be the 44th commemoration of the fire in the sky incident, which isn't called that, is, is called that now. Yes. It used to be just the, the Walton incident, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, that uh, occurred on November 5th. So uh, when we come on your show on November 2nd, that's just three days before that 11-5 commemoration, which will be on KGRA uh, on 11-5, you know, November 5th. And uh, that's going to be exciting too. But, uh, you know, first we're going to be on your show. I like that. Exclusive. Yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm with it. And I'm I knew it. that, and I suggested that. And <laughs> I, I, I thank you for that very much. I've been wanting to talk to both of you and Travis together, matter of fact. I wanted to hear from both of you about the story, and I wanted to know what he first initially thought after you leaving him, Mike. <laughs> I wanted to know what he thought oh, well, about that. <laughs> we'll leave that for the show. But I, I can tell you not a lot happened, but uh, yeah, we'll leave it for then. Perfect. Yes, I'm excited about this. I'm looking quite forward to talking to you and Travis and Jill. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you mean uh, Jennifer. Jennifer, I mean. I don't know why I said Jill. Yeah. Yeah. You already got her her Skype connection, though, I think. Yeah, I believe if so. Not, yeah. If not, we'll set it up in advance. And this and, mo- uh, Travis, mm-hmm. as I've already said, uh, prefers to just be over the phone. So that makes it easy for him, at least as yeah. far as connecting with him. We could call him on the phone. That's Hopefully fine. you and I can get connected on Skype before then. Yeah, I will definitely have to uh, give you a call and try to walk you through it, or you walk me through it. I'm not quite sure where the hell uh, your contact uh, info went. I know I had you on here on, on Skype, but now I can't even find yeah. you, Mike. Yeah, well, you know. Uh, we don't need to do that now because it's of hard to do not. that sort of thing when you're when you're on the air and paying attention <laughs> to stuff like you have to do. Yes, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll set that up. Yeah, it won't take long. We'll we'll get done. We'll get it done rather quickly. And you know, matter of fact, I do remember your Skype name is on here, but now you have another account, correct? Yes. Um, yeah, you have an original Skype name for me, a uh, uh, connection for me. And, and, uh, it, you know, it actually changed because, uh, 
that original Skype thing and my email connected to it uh, got hacked into by somebody who just doesn't like me at all. Was it a Russian? And uh, who, who, who knows? A Russian operative got you. <laughs> There's no way of telling. You know, but but that definitely happened. And uh, I had to go down and actually get a new name and a new account. Uh, and uh, when that once I did that and that new uh, system kicked in, uh, all of a sudden everything cleared up and I could I could I had email and Skype and everything else. But it's it's under it's under a different heading. It's under a different. Uh, yeah. Originally, it was uh, I Heston I one, two, three, five. And uh, now it's just under my name. And then, of course, it has the uh, Skype connection, uh, which is a whole bunch of letters and numbers and stuff, which I, I can't remember right off the top of my head. But, uh, yeah. Amazing. And uh, anyway, I sure hope I don't have any of that kind of problem again, because that really messes things up. I know. And whoever's doing it, damn it, don't do that. I'm you know? sorry about that. Yeah. That's I did. not fair. Yeah, Not that's, fair at all. That sucks. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry you have to uh, endure this sort of thing here, having your computer hacked into. That's not fun at all. No, it's not. Bastards. Uh, whoever it is is an amateur because they were only able to cause a certain amount of problem. And uh, all I had to do was get a new account name, you know, and, uh, and it cleared up. It immediately cleared up. Now, from what I understand, because I don't do any hacking myself, <laughs> I could, but I don't. Uh, uh, you know, if a person, a person can really mess up your computer, they can just totally screw it up. You know, they can give it a virus that just makes it impossible for that PC to even work anymore. Uh, so whoever it was, it was just, uh, designed deliberately to, to shut down my email and my Skype. And they did that. And it's still that way. But, uh, I went around it. Right it on. did cause me a lot of trouble. I'm glad you figured some of the things out. And of course, Mike, I did want to ask you here on the first half of the program, I talked to an individual by the name of Marshall Masters, and we talked yeah. a little bit about Planet X and all sorts of um things here. Well, what's your opinion on, on Planet X? Well, just basically kind of a simple thing right off the top. I, I've read a lot of, of stuff that he's put out. And this one latest article that's on his site. Yeah, tell me. Uh, he starts off by saying, Hey, I'm now finally going to tell you when we're going to see Planet X. However, <laughs> uh, for the next several paragraphs in that article, he goes about what I call waffle talking, which is just basically because at the end he says, and I, I don't remember exactly the words, but what it means is uh, you will see Planet X when you see it. <laughs> Something like that. Amazing. You know? Uh, the whole idea was he was supposed to tell us because that's what he said up front. He now will tell us, you know, when we will see it. Well, why waffle talk? And and he didn't do. He didn't meet his uh, promise, you know. So you know that basically where that's at. And and on the overview, my my particular uh, concept of Planet X is uh, okay. Great, that would be great if it really happens, but. Mainline science has not seen it. And there have been a number of people who have predicted it and it hadn't showed. So what's really going on? Mike, you're making me regret that I didn't bring you in during the first half. Yeah. Well, you know, you tend to be, uh, I would say, accommodating, you know, and I understand that. I've got to do the same thing on my show, at least to a certain extent. But I am going to follow my, my uh, basic formula 
and, and I'll be nice to somebody. You know, there's going to be guests on. I've got several lined up, but uh, everybody, almost everybody, could be called considered fringe if you, you know, if you're into UFOs or or even the paranormal. Sure. And uh, you know, on that basis, uh, even if I happen to like something, uh, I'm kind of obligated because the show is called The Realist. Uh, to have at least after listening and and being basically believing all the way through their particular part of the thing, in the, in the end, in the final analysis, I have to be somewhat critical, and I will be either a lot critical or a little critical or hardly critical at all. But uh, that's the format for the show, and that's that's what that's what's promised, and so that's what I've got to do. Yeah. But if uh, Masters was on my show, uh, I would be. At least medium critical, if not a lot critical, depending on how he would present himself, you know. But, uh, yeah. That would be an interesting guest Uh, for you to have on your show. Yeah, I'm going to try. Yeah. I would ask him to be on your show. Yeah, I mean, that'd be great if, you know, I kind of dropped the ball. I should have brought you in during the first half of the program. If you, if I would have known you would have said this sort of thing, I would have definitely had you on. Uh, <laughs> yeah. he, there would have been a bit well, of conflict. It's hard, to, hard to say everything on email because, or even on the phone for that matter. I've been so busy lately that I just, and I know you're so busy, it's hard for you to even look at all your email probably. Uh, so, you know, there's a bit of a miscommunication there. Oh, well, I mean, you can always call me or I could just call you. Yeah. yeah that we should have just done yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would have liked to have done that. You can and, call me. Uh, you can call me anytime, Mike. You know that. Come on. Yeah. Well, sure. It's all good. And, and I have. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yep, that's, uh, but you know, that's hindsight and, uh, I'll make a foresight. I'll, I'll try, I'll try very hard to get him on one of my, one of my upcoming shows. I love that. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll email him and tell him that you would like him okay. to appear on your program for sure. Yeah. Well, don't, don't put him off because, oh, I won't. you know, like I say, <laughs> yeah, yes. I will be accommodating, you know, I'll let them have their say mm-hmm. for like at least an hour. And and even then, I'm not going to come off as some kind of skeptic. I'm not going to do that because I'm not a skeptic. And uh, yeah, uh, I, but I will be critical. And if they can't handle that, then they shouldn't be on my show. <laughs> well, very true. <laughs> I don't want you scaring him off, you know. I won't scare him off, but I do scare a lot of people. That's true. You're not wrong about that. Yeah. <laughs> You're not wrong yeah. about that at all. Yeah, you uh, you actually scared off uh, Len Cate, Dr. Len Cate. W- which one is that one again? Uh, that's the lady, the lady doctor who wrote that book, uh, the Phoenix light. Oh, that's right. We did. I did scare her off. Yeah, you sure did. Ah, good. Yeah, I've heard a lot about that around the horn. In fact, uh, there, I think the reason I'm pretty sure that the reason she, uh, just, uh, cut loose from you, uh, even though she at first said, yes, uh, you know, I have a couple of women friends who are actually friends with her and, uh, you know how women are, you know. I I, I, I certainly do. <laughs> you know. Oh yeah. Anyway, uh, uh, it came back to me through the grapevine. Oh. Through the female grapevine. Oh, the female grapevine. Here we go. It's going to get great here, folks. Yeah. Can't wait. <laughs> yeah. 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 You scared her off. I scared her off. She found out that that I may be on that show, <laughs> and that's all she needed to hear because she don't like me. Ooh. She used to like me. But once I started into the Phoenix Light, just simply by being a realist, not saying it's not extraterrestrial, you know, but just saying, suggesting that it might not be, 
with documentation. Mike, I'm, I'm you know, still. That's the, go ahead. I'm, I was just going to say, I'm still baffled that, you know, I did have her ready to go and I thought we were going to do the interview and I was going to bring you on without her knowledge. And for some reason, yeah. she, it's almost like she knew. Well, I think she did because I talked about it. Like I said, I've got a couple of female friends who are friends with her. Oh, no. And I heard. think, um, well, I'm almost certain it just got back to her that they way. They stooged us uh, off, Mike. She thought Mike. she was going to be sabotaged, and I think that's kind of what you had in mind. In that's exactly what I had in mind. They, so they stooged us off, Mike. Yeah. Bastards. And uh, so it didn't happen, yeah. Well, now I'm sad. But I'm sure we could you find. Are. But I'm sure we could find someone else to replace her, right? And we could sort of do the same sort of um, the same sort of bid, and we can get it done. No problem. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, uh, Peter Davenport of the uh, National UFO Reporting Center. He's afraid of us, uh, though. He won't come and play with he's us. He's afraid of us. Yeah. You know, and, and he has good reason to be because, uh, in my opinion, and it is my opinion, uh, he he exaggerated the entire incident. Uh, well, he's and, known. And he even shows on on what he's done and everything, and 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 I've talked an awful lot to him. Now he's another one of these people who used to be my friend Ooh. back when he thought I was just a completely believing uh, UFO believing person. Uh, once I started saying anything negative, I mean, I'm, I don't even say anything negative about the Phoenix Lights, but they take it that way. And uh, so Peter Davenport just assumed that I was coming down on him. And and I'm too realistic. You don't like me being realistic because that kind of upsets his whole ball game, you know. Right. The Phoenix Lights are one of his uh, babies. <laughs> well, that's how it is with and, a lot of uh, individuals, though, Mike. Once you start picking apart something that they like, that's when you become persona non grata to them. That's right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep, and that's what happened with Peter. Peter Davenport. I can't believe Peter is basically ducking us, Mike. I can't believe it. It's not like we're going to bite him yeah, or physically harm the guy, well, but he's scared of he us. Does, he, he, yeah, he does that in a nice, friendly way. He always answers any email I send him. But in the end, it doesn't matter how nice he is, he's begging off. That's true. Basically, he's obfuscating the issue here, like many tend yeah. to do. It's too bad that he chooses yeah. to be a coward, uh, one Peter Davenport, instead of being a man and facing us here, Mike. Yeah. Oh, well. Well, I, you know, oh well. the trouble is, and that's that's one of the reasons why, I mean, there's lots of reasons, but that's one of the reasons why I call both believers and skeptics uh, very biased, because I have every evidence of it. I mean, they are. It, it just shows in everything. Uh, the skeptics and the believers both. I should say the UFO believers. Uh, I mean, the, the, what I call the UFO gurus uh, of UFOs, you know, uh, and the skeptics, and they don't need a special designation. They're just skeptics. Uh, they uh, both are down on me. And, and and they're supposed to be opposite sides of the field, opposite, opposite camps. So what's with that? They, they, they both don't like me. It's very territorial. It's very territorial out there for some odd reason. That's what I've noticed. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, disliking me because of what I say about the Phoenix Lights it has actually uh, created the first kind of uh, a likeness to the skeptics and believers. They used to be widely separated, but at least concerning me, when they come down on me, that's for the first time creating a virgence <laughs> oh, <laughs> between the two. Yes. Uh, it's weird. That's it's a, it's a, weird. It's a, yeah, it's a very unusual <laughs> yeah. sort of 
a dynamic that does go on in the whole quote unquote UFO community, which is basically a joke in my opinion. And, uh, you know, you've been to these conferences, you see them waddling around thinking they're kings and queens of, of the building or something. I don't don't know what it is, but you, you definitely see this pompous attitude with a lot of these individuals who are keynote speakers, quote unquote. And it's pretty disgusting. I don't really like to see them walking around thinking they're larger than life when they they're only known by not not so many people yet they're act like they act like they're celebrities for some odd reason i I don't get that sort of thing at all well you know ufo gurus not not the believing public you know not the ufo community because they come in all shapes and sizes you know true but ufo gurus and i like to designate them that way they are pompous they definitely are and uh the skeptics are too. In fact, I used to think skeptics were the most pompous people on earth. You know, how can anybody just say, no, there's no such thing? Well, unfortunately, the UFO gurus say the same thing the other way. There are UFOs. That's just the way it is. I'm not going to listen to any crap otherwise. <laughs> that's a, Yeah, you find that a lot, a lot of places on all sorts of um, different subject matters. You have that sort of mentality and of course, I did want to ask you about another thing that has been going on in the world of ufology. You have this sort of um, naval sort of um, over, I mean, I shouldn't say overtake. I should say it's it's been more of a strange thing to watch. The Navy basically change right. a few different things in terms of how they conduct these sort of sightings in the air. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's controversial. But in my opinion, uh, the government, you know, the Navy is the government, you know, right. the Air Force is the government. Uh, they have actually been doing what I consider a trickling out of disclosure. Now, I know that they can't just suddenly say, hey, we've been lying to you people all along. You know, they're not going to do that. But what's been happening with those, what they call the Tic Tac uh, sightings yeah. or, or it's gun camera footage, and uh, and there's a lot of other things, a lot of other video, and certainly a lot of other uh, personal testimony concerning that. You know, coming from higher ranking people, uh, and that's a that's a form of disclosure. It's a it's a trickling form of disclosure. It's kind of like an introduction to disclosure. By the way, speaking of which, I was going to ask you. There allegedly seems to be another clear footage of the whole Tic Tac body sort of UFO that people saw off over in the coast of San Diego, if I recall correctly, back in 2004. I really should have brought Mm -hmm. this article out, but this is all off the top of my head here. I do remember seeing this article not so long ago, maybe a couple days ago. There was a guy talking about, uh, a Navy officer was talking about the whole Nimitz sighting, and he said something about there being a clear sort of uh, footage of this, and it showed that the Tic Tac had legs below it, below the body. Hmm. What do you make of that? Well, uh, I know, I don't know about that for sure. I mean, the legs, okay? That's what he's claiming. But I've seen just about every piece of footage that is out there, and uh, 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 some of that could be questionable. If you're, if you're going to really be critical, some of that could be uh, something else. But I think what we're seeing is actual UFOs. In other words, you know, UFOs, (laughs) that's another term that has become kind of bastardized. True. You know, uh, 
UFOs means unidentified flying objects, which means anything in the sky that you can't see an identification number on the wing, that's a UFO. Right. You know? uh, but to UFO believers, UFO has become synonymous with uh, extraterrestrial, you know, alien craft. And uh, so you have to kind of make that designation, that kind of a separation of reality to, to fiction, you know, but uh, so I, I tend to say UFO too, you know, but that's not really what's going on. You know, when something isn't identified, it's a UFO, but that doesn't mean it's extraterrestrial. But this Navy stuff, this uh, gun camera footage right. uh, is showing something that I really, truly believe is extraterrestrial. It's very interesting to say the least. I don't know exactly what it is for sure yet, but the footage that I have seen is pretty remarkable, especially the fact that this, whatever this thing is, it's able to go uh, underwater as well without any issue and out right. of the water without any issue. Yes. It uh, does a lot of things, which are definitely not uh, conventional aircraft. Not at all. I mean, it's far and gone from conventional. Uh, and some people think, well, maybe Skunk Works has produced something that along those lines. Eager believers, of course, think we have created UFOs. Uh, I really don't know. But the truth is that if we had something like that, if the, if the government did have something like that, uh, I would think it wouldn't be something that they're acting like they don't know about. Yeah. Unless, of course, the government just acts that way for a particular <laughs> purpose, you know. I found you it interesting, know. though, that they would definitely change some sort of guidelines for Navy pilots in terms of how they report these things. That's interesting yeah. to me. Uh, but, yeah, it is. Yeah, that's, I don't know what another to make thing, of it. Another thing that, that there is about that is, is the people who talk about it, the, the uh, particular whoever they are who talk Uh-oh. about that uh, officially, you know, from the Air Force or, or the Navy or whoever, uh, they say what they think, basically. They're, they're very careful to make certain that they say that it may not be that. But another thing that happens is that the higher-ranking people, you know, the higher-ranking people just won't say anything. If they say anything, they say, uh, that's not proven. Uh, that could mean nothing, blah, 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 you know. Uh, and, you know, you can take it one step for, further. I know one thing for sure. It will never be a president. A president will never say anything. And that could be because they don't know anything. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I have a feeling they don't know everything or no. informed about everything, rather. Well, it depends on your particular political persuasion. Uh, if you're a Trump hater then Trump doesn't know anything, you know, <laughs> but you know, I, my personal belief is that uh, the mega rich are the ones that, that create policy and uh, all the president, it doesn't make any difference if he's a Democrat, Republican or a socialist or whatever, you know, they're just there because they were elected and because they can make speeches. And uh, otherwise I don't think they really do know much of anything as far as the government's concerned. That's another way of seeing it. Yeah. Yeah, my so goodness. I, I really don't. You know, I have a, I have a couple of uh, hardened Democrats in my family, and and they try to argue with me that time, but they've learned. And Mike's not going to discuss it with them because he's of the opinion, very solidly, that uh, the mega rich make the policy. The government is just, a, I mean, the uh, president is just a figurehead, a speech maker. He doesn't know what's going on, and so there's no point in getting all political, you know, hard about it because. 
it just, in my opinion, it just doesn't make any difference. It really doesn't. At the end of the at the end of the day, it really does not make a difference. Yeah. Well, you can have a hobby of uh, talking political all you want. Some people just do it because they it, it's fun. It, it's fun to uh, down a president. It's fun to badmouth Trump. You know. Uh, and he is an open figure. You can say anything you want about him. Right. Unless you decide to say something like you're going to assassinate him or something, and then they're going to come down on you, you know? Yeah, then you, then you have trouble for sure. If you just say he puts ketchup on his steak, you know, <laughs> like you said, <laughs> that's fine. You know, it's fine. And everybody does it. Yes. Know? Oh, yes. So now, Mike, I wanted you to also tell the newer listeners that are just joining in right now where they can find your show and at what time again okay my new show the first first uh, show will be this coming friday uh 8 p.m mountain standard time i think that's the same as california time and it will be uh 10 to midnight uh eastern and uh it's called the realist with mike heston rogers and it's a, a believing realist approach to all things paranormal now, there's one thing I didn't say about my show, uh, not the first show, but beginning with the second show, each show, uh, somewhere in the second hour, will uh, go into something uh, completely fantastic about the world, about the universe, things that many people haven't heard about. Uh, some of these things will be uh, experiences. Some of these things will just be intriguing bits of knowledge that no, hardly anybody has ever heard anything about. And the whole concept is this. You know, uh, especially eager, eager believers, as I call them, they tend to just miss what's really going on in the world. They really do. I, I have a lot of people to judge on that because there's so many people who come to me and who are around me personally and, and who are either believers or skeptics. And so I get a really good overview. And uh, what I see, the skeptics can't see what's really going on in the world. Because they're too hardened towards, you know, hardened against UFOs, hardened against the paranormal. And believers, the same thing. The eager believers are just missing so much of what they could be experiencing because they, they're just so deep into uh, bias. You know, bias creates a kind of a glaze over people. When you're really biased, your eyes are just, you've got blinders on and you don't really see the whole spectrum. And my show, for the purpose of it, is to correct that, to, to not only show whatever the particular host may be at, or, uh, I mean, the guest may be at any particular so uh, time, I'm going to give them their say, you know, and then I'm going to attempt, at least attempt to be critical after that. Yeah. And then, and then I will give the, the people with blinders on some real stuff, some exciting stuff. And I have an awful lot of that, and a lot of, a lot of that has come forward just Recently, uh, since I've been talking about having this show and doing that, uh, oh gosh, you know, it, it's just, it's, it's amazing. The world, the universe is just absolutely amazing. I agree. And, 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 and biased people have a glaze. They're, you know, they've got blinders on. They just don't see that. And if they could just quit being biased, and my purpose of my show is to shock them, to shock them into seeing it. You know, there isn't just UFOs, and especially these uh, silly concepts about UFOs, because there's an awful lot of that out there. And uh, uh, you know, eager believers will say, yeah, I don't believe in everything. They'll say it, but they don't show it. <laughs> That's and, right. Uh, 
reality is a whole different thing. And you have to be unbiased to be a realist. I mean, I can't, I'm not totally unbiased. I know that, but I at least try very hard to be. That's right. And I certainly do that when it comes to decision-making. Yes, sir. And that's, that's where it's all at. Well, I'm looking very forward to your new program coming out very soon. And of course, Mike, I did want to make a quick correction. Mountain time is only one hour ahead of Pacific time. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But but other than that, we are good to go, Mike. And I'm looking forward to talking to you uh, again very, very soon next week, matter of fact, with uh, Travis Walton and and everybody else. Jennifer Stein. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's a great lady. Yeah. I've become very, very good friends with her. And so has Travis. Uh, She's the producer of this new movie of Travis's. And uh, it's a really good documentary. It's won all kinds of awards. And uh, so uh, we'll be there. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, my friend. Mike, I do want to thank you tremendously for being a part of the program. I don't want to take up too much of your time here. We've been on for about an hour. And I appreciate that greatly. I can't wait to talk to you again soon here. Well, thank you, Michael. Yes, sir. Always an honor and pleasure, Mike. All right. We'll talk again, my friend. Okay. All right. Mahalo. Good night. Good night. And there he goes, ladies and gentlemen. That was the one and only Mike Rogers. Great guy. And, of course, looking forward to his program coming up soon. And, of course, talking to him and Mr. Travis Walton next week. And I do want to thank my first guest who was here, Marshall Masters. That was pretty damn fun. I had a great time. And, of course, I want to thank you in the chat room As well, thank you for hanging out with me here this evening. Wasn't that fun, folks? Oh, yes, I certainly hope you had a great time. And, of course, as we take it home here tonight, I do want to thank all the networks who do play this program later on. Really do appreciate that. And, of course, there is another program director out there in the U.K. for uh, Deprogrammed Radio. You know, he was giving me a lot of heat for these past couple shows with the bad language, as he puts it. But that guy could go fuck himself. In my personal opinion, he might not like that I said that, but who gives a shit what he likes or what he doesn't like? I'm going to do things my way here, as always. And I look forward to entertaining you yet again and getting behind this microphone and serving it to you this way. Unlike many other people out there. Oh, yes. And don't forget, if you are a fan of this program and want to help fund the program, you can go to michaeldeacon.com. Right-hand side of your page, there is a donate button. PayPal. Any amount, I do need the help. Oh, yes. Or you can go to patreon.com forward slash Michael Deacon, and you can get bonus content. And it's good, I promise. International listeners out there, thank you tremendously for also helping the program, spreading the word. And that's something I do want to ask all of you to do if you listen to this program and like it. Please spread the word. It helps tremendously, I promise. I also want to remind you, How quickly life can turn around in an instant. Don't give up just yet if you are feeling down. And for those who asked, yes, the uncle, the one I've talked about before in the past, he has now passed away, ladies and gentlemen, as of Friday morning. And it was a very unusual text message for me to get in the morning. As soon as I woke up, I saw the message saying that he passed and that is insane to me. Uh, My uncle was like my best friend, ladies and gentlemen, and it was difficult to do this one. But what most people don't know 
because I haven't really told you, is the uncle really did push for the show. He was very proud of me and the program. He loved the show, and he loved all of you out there being as rowdy and crazy as all of you are. Oh, yes, he will be missed. Rest in peace to him. And, of course, no matter where you are on this island Earth, I definitely hope the best for all of you out there. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. Until next time... Good night, everybody. You are looking at a remarkable idea. An idea that has intrigued and attracted and literally thrilled thousands upon thousands of men, women, and children. And you, my friends, are about to witness this idea become a reality. For this is the story of the miracle sea in the desert.